LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning! Four minutes past four. Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 uh, I forgot it was now. The, uh, thing that I gave Duncan was what I promised him the other day. I promised him a pie from the Laverstock Palm, um, par- farm shop. I can't get the teeth right now, honestly. Um, and I couldn't get him the chicken curry one because they didn't have a chicken curry one. So I got him beef steak and ale. And, and I said, and he went, oh, because I've a horrible feeling about trying to eat it on the way home. I hope he doesn't actually, because it's so much nicer when it's hot. And I've given him some instant mashed potato. It sounds disgusting, I know. I've spoken to people before. I remember having a, a discussion with James O'Brien's producer, Lucy, who I've known for years, and we had a little taste testing one time. She said, uh, she said, you can taste the difference between real mashed potato and reconstituted mashed potato, you know, the stuff that you make up. And I said, you can't, I promise you. So she made some mashed potato at home, and I made some instant mashed potato, uh, which is American, but I buy it in Costco, and it comes in a box of about 10 packets or something like that. And all you do is you put it into a, into a jug, fill it, fill it with hot water, stir it all round, and then you add a good knob of butter. And I defy anybody. Anyway, she couldn't tell the difference. She couldn't tell. In fact, if anything, mine actually tasted better than hers did. But it was it was quite interesting. So I've given Duncan two packets of that because I think mashed potato is very nice. And in fact, first thing in the morning, it's an easy thing to make. When you get in, you don't have to start, you know, you just boil up a kettle, pour it on. Sorry, it's making my mouth water. And then you uh, you have the mashed potato with perhaps some grated cheese and a tin of beans over the top of it. And that's quite nice. Anyway, apart from that, uh, we have another gadget giveaway for today. And uh, I'll tell you who the winner was from yesterday. And then, as you know, the, the papers are all talking about the same thing. Stephen Fry, in his pill suicide attempt, he was at the Leicester Square Theatre just over here. And then, only yesterday, we were talking about Michael Jackson's daughter. And this is Paris, rushed to hospital after reportedly slashing her wrist with a cleaver in a suicide bid. And you must think to yourself, I should imagine, growing up in that family, your mind must be all over the place. I mean, you know, at 15 to do something like that, I find it bad enough when I read stories here of kids at school who've been bullied, they've come home and they've hanged themselves. You've got to be really, really depressed to want to do something like that. It's not, you know, it's not even the cry for help like Stephen Fry. You know, if he'd been found by his producer, that was fine. But, you know, these people, they do things. So anyway... She's been taunted at school in California, proving, as I've said all the time, that you get little nasty people all over the world at school. Kids can be very, very cruel. Very, You think adults can be cruel? Oh, God, no. Kids can be far crueler. And once you get it and you become like poison at school, then all of a sudden, you know, you, so this poor girl at 15 bullied at school. I mean, frankly, you want to go around and go, which, which ones? Who's been bullying? You. Come here. You're expelled. You. You're expelled. You know, don't mess around with it. We've said before on the programme, if you're being bullied at school by other kids, you go and name and shame. If the teachers don't do anything, you take it higher. You take it higher. You know, it's it's just, it's garnering evidence and stuff like that. But once a bully, always a bully at school. We had bullies at our school. And you tend to find it was the people who were bullied who then become the bullies. That's what, they're always sort of getting their own back. They're generally weak, pathetic people. There's something missing in their brain. Something, sorry, I was going to say something missing between their ears. It would be the brain, I think. And, and so for Paris uh, to have to, to go through this, I mean, she apparently left a note and called a suicide hotline. That's how depressed she was. She obviously thought, I don't want to go to school. And I can imagine, who she got to talk to? 
Who has she got to talk to? Her dad's dead. You know, her brother's off, you know, forging a career. Who's she got to talk to? Some old woman, old Mar Jackson. Who wants to talk? She's 85 or something. What can you talk to her about? Nothing. She doesn't understand what kids go through. She's got no idea at all. It's so terribly depressing. And you feel sorry for her, really, because you feel like... Because there's nothing you could say to her that'll make her feel any better about life. Nothing at all. Which is a shame. Um, the Sun are also reporting that uh, Anjem Chowdhury may soon lose benefits. That'll be nice. That'll be good. Get him out there. Get him off his fat bum doing some work for a change. Perhaps he could stack shelves. Not too taxing, I suppose. But uh, find, find something to do. And I, uh, uh, today arrived my little, my little gimmick, which I saw... Uh, the other day, and I was—I was so imp- I saw it, and I thought, can't be much cop, can it? And what it is, it's an in-car camera. It's a camera that a lot of people now have. In America, they seem to have them fitted a standard because it's a case of if you have an accident, you, you say this car just swerved in front of me, and people get yeah right. And so this little device that I bought is an onboard camera and recorder, and it's tiny. I mean, it's that... I'm showing, showing the producer just how big it is. It's that that big, OK? You charge it up. It's got a little screen that you pull down. So what you do is you sort of... You turn it uh, on. Makes a little noise. There you go. That was it. That was a little noise. And it says, welcome. And you've got a little tiny screen on there, which is fantastic. And it records. You put a an ST card or whatever they call it in there, and it records whatever's going on in front of the car. So I thought, I'll order one of these things. You know, see what it's like. And it's only cheap plastic, but to be honest with you, you don't actually need anything that's too sort of flash because it's a little tiny uh, little tiny camera at the front and a little tiny screen, which is probably, I don't know, two inches by an inch and a half or something, or two inches by two inches. 30 quid. Thirty. I mean, it's so cheap. And it could also save you an awful lot of time and trouble if you're involved in an accident. And when I discovered, I went online to Amazon and I typed in, I, th- I forget what it was I typed in, but it's car camera or something there's loads of them and some of them are even cheaper than this one and this one's come from a company up uh, near um, uh, Heathrow airport so I was quite pleased with it when I turned it on I thought oh it'll be rubbish won't it I remember years ago ordering a security camera for the uh, for the house and what came back was basically a baby alarm which was rubbish it was absolute rubbish and I trekked all the way to this company to buy it, and I mean, I should have known better, actually. The moment I got there, it was like an office block, and they had, they'd rented a room, and it was about £100, and it was rubbish. I've still got it. It's rubbish. It's absolute, it's rubbish. Because you can get so many better surveillance cameras now, and this one's quite good, so I'm going to try it in the car, and see what it looks like, see if I can record stuff. Then you can play it back onto your computer, which is brilliant, isn't it? So in case of an accident, not that I have accidents, but in case there was an accident, I could then go and check it all out. So that was very good. Yesterday we talked to Lisa Riley. You heard about my dreadful mistake, didn't you? The mistake was we, I had Lisa Riley booked in for 8.30, bless her. The reason she was coming in at 8.30, not, not for, for my benefit, she was coming in because she's uh, rehearsing a show at the moment, which I think opens next week sometime. And so she was in at 8.30, and then I had 9.15, Richard Maidley. And so we do Lisa Riley. She turns up early. And so Charlie and I go down to the studio to record her. She was very bubbly. She was very good. We talked a lot about her mum, because I don't know if you are aware, but just two weeks before she started Strictly, her mum died of cancer. And that was her kind of rock, you know, for want of a better description. It's all depressing this morning. I've got got to be some happy stories. Um, And so she was sort of telling me that she had nobody to phone when she came off set after dancing and sometimes because the cameras were with them all the time she said it just got too much for me 
And I said, I know. I said, the worst thing is, when, when somebody dies, like a parent, you know, mum, dad, or wh- well, whoever it is, it doesn't matter what anybody says to you, nothing can ever compensate for your loss. Uh, because we've all been through it, and the older you get, the chances are you've been through it quite a number of times. And I can remember after my mum died, coming back to work, and people saying, very sorry. And you think, because what else do you say to someone? There's nothing else you can say to somebody. You can't go, well, in fact, all I ended up talking about to one of the guys here, because his, his mum had died as well, uh, was how did the funeral go? And we compared funeral notes on you know, on how it, how it looked, the overall effect, because it's the only thing you never do, isn't it? You take photographs at, you know, birth of a baby, christening, you know, weddings, happy, divorces sometimes, if you're that ecstatic about getting rid of them. But nobody ever films the funeral. And that's the end of somebody's life. That's the bit that you want to look back on. How many times you see somebody going, you know, and here's, here's a photograph of, um, of, of mum as a child. This is when she first met dad. And uh, this is when they went on holiday to Turkey. And this is mum in her coffin. You don't see that, do you? Other countries do it. Other people are very good at dealing with death. We're rubbish. We're rubbish. We just don't deal with it. They, they tried to make us deal with it. There was a couple on the television. And they had a, a baby who had died. And they kept the baby on the settee so the other children could see... Th- I mean, I found it most peculiar, but that's only because, as I say, I fall into that category of we don't understand anything about death. Other people have wakes and stuff like that with the person in the room. And then there was that poor lad. I don't know if you ever remember him. He was the one who reduced Nell McAndrew to tears because his, his little body, every time he touched it, it bled. And he was... I can't remember his name now, but he was covered in bandages. And... Um, he, he wanted to meet various people. And um, to cut a long story short, he, he died. There was, no, there was no happy ending to this programme at all. And he went to see Nell McAndrew, but his, his body was just covered with sores. And every time he was touched, so they had to wrap him very carefully in band. He came up to London to pick up on a, an award, I think. And he went back. But the programme started with him in his coffin and him doing the voiceover saying, this is me in my coffin you know, I've died now, but this is my life. And it showed you... And it was it was absolutely gut-wrenching. It was the kind of thing, you watched it and you thought, you know, if I had all the problems in the world, all the misery heaped on my shoulders, it wouldn't be anything. You know, the way he suffered in his life and what he... But, but you know, for what he crammed into his few years, he did well. He did well. But Lisa Riley and I talk about her mum. We talk about how she kind of became a role model for fatties who were watching the Strictly Come Dancing and going, well, if she can blooming well do it, I can do it as well. And we were talking about how you can still be fat but fit. I sadly didn't fit into that category at all. She's a lot fitter, but at the moment her feet apparently are killing her. She's got <laughs> dreadful feet problems. So you'll hear that hopefully this uh, this weekend. We've got Mary Berry and, oh, the, the, the Richard Maidley thing. So he didn't, he didn't, I've got to sidetrack then. So he didn't come in and it got to 25 Two and so I phoned Charlie upstairs in the showbiz department. So we've got a huge showbiz department here, and I said, uh, I said, it's, it's very unlike Richard to be late. He would be, if anything, early because he know he's in the business. So anyway, it gets to quarter two, and so Charlie tried to phone the the PR and the and sort of text and email and all the rest of it. No reply. Eventually, at about ten two, we, we got a reply, and the, the PR wrote back to Charlie and said, "No, it's it's booked for the fifth of July." So Charlie looked at me. She went, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> I said, that's all right, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. I said to my boss, I said, it's July. <laughs> so he said, you can stand down. I think he used to be in the military, actually. I'm not too sure, but he, you can stand down now. So today, we have Matthew Rees, who was on Loose Women yesterday, so I'm looking forward to that conversation. And then tomorrow, of course, it's Mary Berry. So for all you ladies who like cakes, 
That will be your turn tomorrow. And Duncan, try and resist just touching a bit of that that pastry in the car. It needs to be heated up. It's, I promise you, you'll love it. It's, it'll be very nice. But you'll eat the whole blooming thing yourself tonight. Quarter past four. Twice, I heard. Twice. Morning. It's 19 minutes past four. Actually, I knew there was something that was going to cheer me up this morning. In the, um, the Only Ways Essex Marb special, which is turning out to be the biggest bore under the sun, Joey Essex dumps fiancé Sam for ears in an emotional Towie special. I mean, who cares, honestly? The girly boy and the, uh, the attention-seeking Sam for ears... And so they, they just argue. They just argue. And if you argue that much, you know, stop it, because they all think that they're really clever and they all think that they're really big and they all think that they're sort of marvellous and that they're intelligent, and they're not. They're just very, very ordinary people. I mean very... If I, actually, this Saturday I might go to Brentwood and go and have a look in his little shop, see if he's actually working. I suspect he probably doesn't work in there at all because he's too busy being a celebrity and jetting around all over the country. And uh, I go to Brentwood quite a bit, actually, and I'm going down there this weekend with my godchildren. So I might suggest that on the Saturday. Let's go shopping in Brentwood. Let's not. Let's not take the Bentley. Uh, those cheap cameras, says Les in Stortford, are OK till you play them back. The quality's awful. Well, I mean, this is high definition. This is high def. And, in fact, we looked at it upstairs. The camera quality is fantastic. And it depends on what, uh, what card you put in it. You know, you put a nice card in there. It's only... It, it's, it shouldn't... Uh, there shouldn't be any trouble with this one at all. If there is, of course, it goes straight back. Because I'm very good at things like that. Uh, there's also the romantic uh, side. Mark Wright treating birthday girl Michelle Keegan to a jaunt in a rickshaw. Why does he just look uncomfortable? Why do you think that they're doing everything for publicity? He just looks as miserable as cinema and treated her to a ride in a rickshaw, you cheap so-and-so. Treated to a ride in a, in a Rolls-Royce Phantom, yes, for her birthday. In a rickshaw? God blimey, you cheapskate. Spend a bit of money, mate. Because, mind you, you might not have any money, mind you. I've never seen you wearing any sort of decent clothes. But uh, there they are in Manchester as they strolled along with a cameraman. We've, we're now so wise to the cameraman trick, aren't we? We know that they go out with their own cameraman and they take them. I noticed in, in one of the papers this morning, was it The Sun? After we had all the, um, uh, after we had all the, the bits about Tulisa. Remember Tulisa? And, uh, and the thing, there was a bit saying today... That Talisa's uh, has has given up battling for damages over her leaked sex tape. Uh, to be honest with you, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you remember the sex tape, don't you? Made with an ex-boyfriend, and um, and she's now she's got a sex tape legal bill of two hundred and seventy thousand pounds, and she's not got a penny from her ex-boyfriend. So it says here. I always think if if you don't want to have anything like that scene, don't make it. Don't make it. That I mean, you'd have to be immensely dumb to make a sex tape with your partner, who isn't even, you know, somebody long-term. You know, I mean, at the moment somebody... I mean, if I went out with somebody, like, here we go from memory, if I went out with somebody and they produced a camera, they'd be so fast out, it's like somebody producing handcuffs, isn't it? You'd be going, what, leave me chained to the bed, covered in chocolate? I don't think so. You know, I could be lying there for weeks. Weeks! And so she's now, you know, unfortunately, she makes this naff sex tape. And I have to say naff, because I'd seen it. Everybody sees it. It was all over the internet. And she just looked rubbish. You know, it was as bad as poor old Jordan's. Far from being sexy and very exciting, Jordan looks just like a cold, wet fish. You know, doing nothing at all. Really awful. That's the trouble. When you have a very sexy image, that nine out of ten times, you've got about as much sex, you know, image 
control as, as, as nobody, as a plank. And Talisa doesn't have any, any sexual chemistry with anybody. She's cold. She looks cold. There's no, there's no warmth or anything like that. And she's kind of paying the price. She's paying the price, you know, big and clever, you know, thinking I'm the big I am. One of the papers said today, what was the line? Because I remember I said to somebody upstairs, I said, she'd be the last... Well, the blooming paper done to... Come here. I hate it when papers just vanish. I did have, actually. Oh, I'm missing a... Oh, no, it's here. <gasps> Stupid boy. Stupid boy. Yes, it says here... Wait a minute, let me find... I've got to quote it correctly, because I was, I was a bit incredulous about it. And it was Talisa. Scandal hit Talisa is in a very fragile state of mind. She's the last person you'd think would be fragile. She's made a sex tape. She's all gobby. You know, I can do this, I can do that. And she's in a fragile state of mind. The only thing she's probably in a fragile state of mind about is if her entire career thing about this. Lots of people tell fibs, don't they? You know, I can be a really good presenter, you know. And then you, and you go, oh, right. You do. I remember years ago... I, I, I got a, somebody a job on LBC presenting an overnight programme and they lasted all of three days. And, and they, they phoned me up and I said, what are you, why have you only lasted three days? And this, this person said, well, what do you talk about for three hours? I said, well, you talk about everything. You know, you pick up a set of newspapers. I always remember when I first started at LBC in uh, the year <coughs> 1900 and frozen to death, I remember distinctly doing the programme, and the programme used to be uh, a rerun of whatever had gone on during the daytime. So in those days, it was all tapes. There'd be a whole stack of tapes out there for, for Monday, or in this case, it would be sort of yesterday's tapes. And the, the producer would go through them, make a list, and then we would what we call fill gaps. So you're filling 15-minute sections, and you go, well, I, there's one here on London Zoo, they've just had a panda born, or whatever it was, and we go, how long's that? Uh, that's three minutes. OK, we'll have that one. And so we started filling up the programme, and all it was was a rerun of the daytime. You might as well have just played back somebody else's programme. It was so bloody boring. I mean, it was so dull. Great, of course, if you hadn't heard all the things that had gone on during the daytime, but for the rest of us, it was dull. And, so, and then we would run a whole Brian Hayes interview. If he'd had a, a big celebrity in, which he did most mornings, we would rerun that. We would cut it down a little bit, and out of, say, an hour, we would run 15, 20 minutes. It would fill a section, but it would always be a big star, a big star. And, uh, and then after a while, I thought, I'll tell you what we do. We, we get the papers in. Why don't I just sit there and talk about the newspapers? So that's what I did. I started talking about the newspapers, and I would do what, the, what we called the newspaper review. And then, and then the newspaper review gradually started taking over the programme. And so we would start the show at one o'clock in the morning, and we would, we would do the newspaper review. I could keep it going till three o'clock, easy peasy. No, no worries whatsoever. I could pick up one newspaper. I could make a newspaper last half an hour. Really, really easy. In fact, sometimes I'd get to the end of the programme and I hadn't actually done all the newspapers. And so then it became quite famous, the programme, overnight in London, because we, we were looking at the newspapers and being fairly irreverent about some of the stories. Because I quite like the idea that you can poo-poo things. You know, we're very good at poo-pooing people. You know, so when you read about somebody who's particularly gobby and foul-mouthed, and they go, they're in a fragile state of mind, you think, oh, do me a favour, for God's sake, honestly. It's of their own making. You know, we've not made them like that. Perhaps we were stupid. Perhaps we were stupid. I don't, you know, it's fortunately for you, it was Mazir Mahmoud, the fake sheikh. And he's generally very, very good. It's like reading... I mean, in, in the papers, you see the people who actively seek publicity. And Carol Vorderman actively seeks publicity. So she's cutting back on television. Thank God for that. And she's going to fly around the world solo. This is all since she's been going out with a pilot. 
You know, depending on who she goes out with, determines, you know, what she does. I don't know what she, what outfit she's going to wear. She's going to fly around the world like Amelia Earhart, I think. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's, it'll put, probably be another blasted television programme, won't it? Because she's, uh, I'm cutting back on TV. Good. I agree. I think that's a very, very good idea. I mean, thank goodness Philip Schofield's not. I mean, we need to get him more work. And Eamon Holmes is not working enough at the moment. I think Ruth Langsford is working quite enough. I think we've all decided on that one. Uh, there's also... Uh, the story of, oh, they found the woman in America who won the $580 million or whatever it was. She's 84. She's 84. How long is she going to live to enjoy it? She's 84. She's opted for the lump sum. You know, in America, you can either have that money spread over 25 years. Well, she's obviously decided that, you know, she ain't going to be living that long. So she's gone for the lump sum. So she ended up, I think, with something like $297 million. She's 84, OK? She's 84. And they've said even if she buys the most expensive house in Florida, which I think is about 80 million or 100 million or something like that, and she uh, and she buys a really flash car, she's still got something like 200 million dollars left. You know what's going to happen? She's a pensioner. She's 84. She's been living quite frugally in a very, very tiny little place. You know, you'd look at it and call it a hovel. Over there they call it housing. And and so she's over there and she's fairly happy with things. All of a sudden she's going to be eating rump steak and everything else. She'll choke. She'll be dead by Christmas. That's the way it works, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And then you have to find out whether she's got any family left. Leave it all to a cat's home. Really, really annoy the family. That's that's the best way. So she's got this, like, $300 million dollars. I'm so happy. I couldn't be happy. Why is it? Do you think... And, sh- and the reason she got it, she says, is because there was a man in front of her in the queue and he said, no, you, you go in front of me. So she got the ticket that he probably would have got. Whether the numbers would have been the same, we don't know, because the, it's a random generator. So... And she said, that man let me go first, and so she ended up with the winning ticket. And as I say, it's always somebody elderly, isn't it? It's always somebody very, very elderly, or as I say, a caravan starting, caravan starting Prestatin, generally somebody with it. It's not going to change me. I'm going to buy another caravan for my relatives. And that's always quite exciting. But I mean, $300 million. I mean, you know, enjoy it, for God's sake. You've worked all your life, you've scrimped and saved, and now you've got so much money. You know, what are you going to, what the dickens do you do at 84 when you've got that much money? Wee! Facelifts, new hair, new toy boy, everything. Get out there, kick your heels up. You do whatever you want, love. You're 84, you've, you've earned that right. Uh, are you one of the GOT fans? That's the, the game of moans, who accused the Metro the other day of giving away the ending of an episode that had been broadcast already. And they complained, people wrote in and complained on Twitter. How dare you give away the ending of things? I do it all the time. I love doing it because it winds people up who watch Coronation Street. I always tell them some of the storylines. Just specifically to wind a couple of people up. I do it deliberately. And, you know, I, I derive great pleasure through doing that. Funny, isn't it? It's 4.30. LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 28 minutes to 5. It's Thursday morning in London. What's the weather going to be like? Let's tell you what the weather's going to be like for today. Let's, let's put the smile on your face early this morning and uh, try and make you feel a bit better about things. Dry day, good sunny spells, feeling warm, low cloud possible in the east. Currently 11 degrees centigrade. It's going to climb to 22 degrees centigrade. That's a nice temperature for you, London. That is a nice temperature. And uh, tonight will be a dry night with clear spells. Mist, mist and patchy cloud moving in. Breezy, 11 centigrade. Tomorrow... 
Good sunny spells. Pleasantly warm. The high 24 degrees. Oh, God, I'm going to hibernate tomorrow. 24 degrees. I'm, I know I know. I moan about it every day because I don't do the heat, but I appreciate that most of you do the heat. I'm just the odd one out who doesn't do heat. You know, will I be sitting in a park with my shorts on? No, I won't. You know, do I get my... I mean, as a small wonder, my legs look like little white matchsticks. Well, slightly bigger than matchsticks, but they're just very pale and bruised at the moment. I don't know why. I said the other day, I seem to wake up and I seem to have more bruises on my... Where they come from? I don't know. It's like somebody's attacked me in the middle of the night. Terrible, really. Uh, 84850. Uh, Andy says, I'm getting two of those cameras facing both ways. This time I'm using it for the little people that vandalise your car. Last year, my old car had footprints indented on the bonnet. This year, how, I do not know. The roof has a long dent, not a footprint. Like a long board's been put on it. God, you must live in a really bad area. <laughs> really bad area. I've never had the car vandalised or anything like that. I did have one, not vandalised, but somebody keyed it a long, long time ago. But, uh we uh, we sorted that one out quite quickly. Uh, Neil's up. He said, I'm looking forward to doing the Richard Madeley interview. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In July. He says, I've got my diabetic eye examination today. Not too sure what to expect. OK, right. You can't drive to it if you're doing it in a hospital because they put... They, what they'll do is you'll, you'll go and sit in there and it's the retinal eye unit and you go and sit in there and there'll be a lot of people who look a lot older than you and uh, you sort of sit there and you're la, 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 la. you put your glass on, you're reading one of the very old boating magazines that they always seem to have in these places. The, the odd choice of magazines, there's not a Bunty or a Twinkle Toes magazine or anything like that, never a copy of OK. And you'll go in there and they will put drops in your eyes, OK, and they will sting for a little bit. Then you go and sit back outside about another ten minutes and then they call you in and then you'll rest your chin on this machine and she will focus and say, just watch the red dot and then she'll push a little button and go... And it will flash. OK? And then they will do a couple of those, and then you'll do the other eye. You'll have your chin resting on this machine, and you're staring into it with your eyes wide open. And Because the idea is that the, the liquid will open your eyes, and then they can look at the photograph of your eye and the pupil, and they can see if there's any clouding. So what, what they're looking for is the onset of glaucoma. They're looking for the onset of your eyesight going. Depressing thought, I realise. But I have mine done, and so far I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Because I always look and they go... Because what, what, they, what they do is they'll actually say it looks OK, but then they have to get another expert who looks at it with them. And then they write to you saying it was all fine and we'll see you in another six months' time. They, they, they do check you fairly regularly. So that's what it is. But you can't drive because your eyes will water. And it stings... If you've never had this stuff put in, it stings a little bit to start with. But I was fine with it. And it just, it just opens your eye up a little bit. You look a little bit like sort of one of Prince Andrew's daughters with the big bug eyes. You know, ooh, caught in headlights. So that's what the that's what will be happening today. It doesn't take very long, I'm afraid. Uh, Johnny Kennedy was the boy, the lad with the skin condition. Uh, that's the boy whose skin fell off. I mean, it was so sad. So sad. I get so... Not depressed at things like that, but you just think, you know, somebody's life is over at a very early age. You just you think it's such a bloody waste. Such a waste. And that's when you start questioning, isn't it? You know, is there a God? If there is, why is he not sorting this bloke out? Why is he letting all these vile people out, you know, preaching all sorts of stuff? And you've got some poor kid whose skin is falling off. And you think, you know, and they go, well, God's way of testing you. Well, I don't want to be tested anymore, thank you very much indeed. I've had enough of being bloody tested. Sorry. Get very passionate about children. Uh, been listening to the graffiti. Have we got more graffiti on the War Memorial? Is it more graffiti? Or is it the same graffiti from the last time? It's... This is the second on the same on the bomber command thing again. God, how stupid are some people? There's got to be some thicko out there, hasn't there? Awful thing to do. Men gave up their lives, and that's what happened, says Noreen. 
Well, I mean, I, when I heard him talking about it, I, because I wasn't up to, to date with that, so somebody's written more graffiti. God in heaven. I hope they catch them. I hope they catch they're, they're people of limited intelligence. It's, you know, they just don't understand what it signifies. They really don't understand, and so, you know, they're just particularly stupid. So we catch them, put them in prison, let them stay there, rotten hell as far as I'm concerned. I get so angry with people like that. Why don't they just leave people's property alone? Mix up with uh, Richard Maidley. Noreen says, forecast good for the rest of the week. Well, do you know, it couldn't be better over this weekend, mate. It's going to be a bit of a hottie. But I'm, I don't do hottie. I really don't do hottie. I haven't got my hat yet. They asked me yesterday if I got my hat, and, I, and Harry said, have you got your hat? I said, no, I haven't. And I should have gone out yesterday to get it, but I couldn't function in the heat. I walked outside. I was rubbish, I'm afraid. We were hoping for some gossip about Chloe with uh, with Richard Maidley. Yes, that was one of my questions. Don't you feel embarrassed about your daughter? Full stop. <laughs> no other question, is there, really? The poor old Richard uh, Richard Maidley. 84850, Um Chris says, Bobby on Towie. That's the only gay in the village, the ugly gay in the village. The one who looks like the cheap rent version of Gokwan, but Gokwan has talent. Bobby has no talent at all, I'm afraid. He says people are always trying to hit on him. No, people are always trying to hit him. That's what it comes down to. Uh, Phil says, I bet the old lady who won the money will find out she's got a lot more relatives than she knew existed. <laughs> 84850. I remember you doing a whole show on overnights about removing the fluff from your PC mouse. Yes, we used to have these mouse... Mouses? Mice. You know, the thing that goes with a computer. And you could take the ball out. They had a ball... They don't have that now. They're all infrared things. But you could take the ball out and clean it and drop it back in again. Because they get covered in fluff. And the computer wouldn't function properly. Yes, we had some... It was great fun. Do you remember the, the, the night... I don't even think the show is still on there. Um, I think John Warrington was in the studio, and it turned out we had a dead pigeon in the air conditioning unit. And it was like a scene from Alfred Hitchcock, because we're sitting there, and we're doing the programme at about two in the morning. And, uh, and all of a sudden, a fly, a blue bottle, appeared on the window in the studio. And in the next minute, we had like a hundred blue bottles all on the window. It was really scary. And it was this dead pigeon up in the air conditioning unit that had died. It had gone in from outside for some godforsaken reason. And we had all these blue... We had to evacuate the studio. We had to come in and spray it. And we had to come and sweep up all these, these I mean, dead blue bottles. Dreadful. So are you one of those people that hates people giving away the ending of a, of a particular show? I remember writing... Uh, sorry, not writing. I remember doing a show once where I'd mentioned a story from uh, Coronation Street. And I'd said what, what was going to happen. And this, this poor old soul wrote in, this old bloke, and he said... Um, what an absolute... He wrote to the management as well. What an absolute disgrace that Steve Allen gave away the ending, thus spoiling the enjoyment of this for millions. And I thought, no, just you, sweet pea, just you. You were the only one who was, who was affected. And, um, and he wrote here, he said, I shall never listen ever again. It was disg-. Of course, he was back at the same time next week. They always are, you know, all these people who say these kind of things. They're just, they, they, they just need a little bit of, you know, a little bit of love and attention, and they don't get either of that from anybody at all. And so he said it was disgraceful that somebody on the radio would give away the ending, irrespective of the fact that this programme had been aired and it had been in all the papers. But, of course, he'd recorded it to watch at a later date. Poor sad old person. Never mind. I've had the diabetic eye test for the past 12 years. I always drive there and back as long as you have dark, dark sunglasses, says Ron. Well, they do advise you not to because you know that if you have an accident, uh, your insurance will be invalidated because they've told you not to drive because uh, it reacts very badly with sunlight, as you know. So even with sunglasses, I wouldn't risk it just in case you had an accident. It might not be your fault, but once they found out you come back from having the, uh, the retinal thing, uh, your insurance will be invalidated. That could cost you dear... I wouldn't want you to get into that situation of having to owe money. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? On an accident. So Stephen Fry tried to kill himself with pills and vodka. 
Uh, he broke four ribs whilst convulsing unconscious in a hotel room. He loves talking about himself, Stephen Fry. It's, 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 it's a, it's a front-page headline, because he did it in the Leicester Square Theatre over there, telling us about, you know, how it was, uh, you know, terrible. He was at a very low ebb. No, I don't know, because I'm not bipolar, so I've got no idea what people go through. But you can't help feeling. He's done this before. He, he walked out of a West End show, you remember, some years ago. Then he's talked about being bipolar. In fact, he's talked about it. And it's like people have sort of, you know, other illnesses which they like talking about. On this particular one, I don't know how you how you know if somebody's bipolar. There's nothing to look at, is there? You don't see anything. They don't have sort of blue dots on their face or something like that. He said it was, uh, you know, the, the producer saved him. It was a, a deathbed hell. He said, I took a load of pills with a lot of vodka. It was a close-run thing. It's almost like, it's that old argument, it's a cry for help. You know, he obviously didn't intend to kill himself, but um, and you always hope, I suppose, that somebody's going to find you. And it's it's an attention-seeking deficiency. It's you know it's something, and uh, lots lots of people go through it. We've seen it with you know loads and loads of people over the years, and it's uh, there doesn't seem to be any anything you can do about it. But they want to talk about it, don't they? They all like to talk about it. Uh, also, stories of the papers today, apart from scandal hit to Lisa. The very, very silly girl feeling the pressure after her arrest for... Co- She's not been charged with anything. I don't know why they're making such a big deal. Apparently she was driven back. The gates of her house were open and they drove straight into the garage and the doors came down. Big drama queen, isn't she? Big drama queen. Why don't you just sort of get out there, dear? I mean, if you're, you know, if you're that innocent person, why not... What, what, all this secrecy of sort of hiding in a blacked-out window's Chrysler or something. Doesn't that make you look even more stupid? I just come out and go, this is absolutely ridiculous, I'm going to fight this, blah, blah, blah. People have respect you a bit more, but unfortunately she's not blessed with the most intelligence in the world. But that would be the thing I would do. You know, you don't sort of go running away and hide, do you? Oh, dear, who's this? Uh, this is, oh, a retired couple who abandoned their ten-week sailing trip around Britain when they discovered they got £6 million. They realised the numbers they'd used for 19 years had finally come up. And they got £6 million, One, I'm so happy for them. I couldn't be happier. Um, oh, good. Todd Grimshaw's coming back to the soap. Bruno, Bruno Langley. He was the first openly gay character. Do you remember he's coming back? Oh, that's good. He left the cobbles in shame after trying it on with Nick Tilsley whilst dating Nick's sister Sarah. He briefly reappeared in 2011. Uh, Bruno says, I'm very happy to be working with my old castmates. It'll be interesting if Todd has changed. Also found there's not as many castmates there as you remember, I'm afraid, from last time. But, uh, oh, that's good. I quite like the idea. I always liked him. I thought he was a nice person. Bring him back in again. You know, trying it on with Nick Tilsley. <laughs> Where's he now, I ask myself. Uh, here's the, uh, the Saturdays, and that'll be Frankie, with her funny little new hair, Una, nobody's ever heard of, Vanessa, who does all the singing, and Molly, who's the attention seeker. That's all I can tell you about them. I don't know anything else about these people at all. Here's, here's, oh, this is the, uh, the story that I mentioned to you yesterday about the DJ in Australia. He's just been given an award. In America. Now, now, I don't know how it works in Australia. I don't know. What, I mean, I don't think they gave him an award for the prank phone call. We, we said this yesterday. I think they just gave him an award because he's obviously a very good DJ. This this prank call would have worked had somebody not lost their life as not necessarily as a result of it, because the person uh, was slightly mentally unbalanced, unfortunately, at the time, because they tried to commit suicide twice before. So it was they weren't to know that they weren't. That was that that million to one shot 
that when you make your phone call and pretend to be... I mean, because anybody else pretending to be, you know, the Queen, and, and it was it was just an unfortunate accident. It couldn't have been anything else. It was just, you know, everybody in wrong place at the wrong time. All of a sudden, the jigsaw pieces came together, and they fitted into that pattern. So, But aside from that, he's obviously a very good DJ. And it is six months after this... Uh, this uh, prank call to Kate. Uh, people have done prank calls for years. You don't ever expect anything to happen at, at the end of it, so that's why they gave him, and he is at the top of his game. He'll be, he'll be earning a decent salary in Australia. Talk show hosts and people who do these kind of things are paid very, very well. You know, million-dollar contracts, not, not unheard of, I'm afraid, over there. So he's also got a trip to Los Angeles. And so Michael Christian, although some people have said it's in bad taste... I mean, admittedly, they probably could have been a bit more sensitive. They could have been a bit more sensitive, but they decided not to. And so uh, he's bragged he's at the top of his game, and he probably is. In Australian terms, he's at the top of his game. Oh, apparently now, Carol Vorderman's uh, hero is Amelia... Uh, this is Amelia Earhart. I mean, has she ever mentioned this before? No. No, she's never mentioned before. Her hero is actually, I'm going to fly around the world. It's only because she's going out with a pilot. That's all it is. It's Carol Vorderman. I'm going to stay off television. Could you stay out in the newspapers as well? Could you maybe do that one? That'd be quite nice. And uh, here's the man. This is the uh, the thief. He's a uh, he's a uh, he's a uh, name's called Harry Hankinson. He's stealing items worth nine hundred quid. Got a suspended sentence. But the store boss Anwar Fosdar said this leopard is never going to change his spots. What he what does it take to get him locked up? Answer is absolutely nothing because the law is an ass. I'm afraid. And uh, this man just literally steals stuff to go to prison. The Pound Empire boss, Mr. Fosdar, fumed. We lose a hundred pounds a month to shoplifting. This tells people it isn't serious. I know, I see people shoplifting every time. There were three girls the other day shoplifting in Poundland. I mean, either the staff are blind in there or they really couldn't care less. It's only a quid, isn't it? If they're selling it to you for a quid, it's probably worth about 20 pence. It's like, it's like Gems TV. I did laugh the other day. Two, two people, how they got jobs as presenters, I'll never know. And they're in there flogging this, this piece of tanzanite. And you know my opinion of tanzanite. Right, that old rubbish. And up comes the price. £12,643. And then up comes the disclaimer, the price shown does not indicate worth or value. So I think, what are you putting it up there for? You're just trying to sort of take the mickey out of your limited audience. Or you're trying to sort of appeal to these chavs. And then up comes the real price of this thing, 299 quid. You know, so it's gone from 12000 which does not indicate price or value, to 299 quid. So I'm, I'm shouting at the television. I'm shouting, I'm going, it's only worth about 50 quid. Don't waste your money. The rubbish they sell on there, it really is. And you watch some of these poor old bimbos getting so excited. <gasps> oh, this, you've got to... Oh, look at this... Look at that cash... Oh, it's rubbish, it really is. <laughs> but I watch it to annoy myself. 13 minutes to five. This is LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3. Call 08456060973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Still to come, that old fraudster. Yes, his name is Lee Tyres. Lee Tyres is a fraudster. I'll tell you why he's in a moment. It involves a curry house. Have you heard the story? I mean, it's just honestly. What an old tight-fisted old servant. I know. Very odd. Anyway, now he's... Oh, is that what... Oh, blimey, that's a bit nice. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's... Oh, that's very nice. Oh, I like that a lot. 
That's very nice. Oh, sorry, I, I digress. I was having a quick look at what we were giving away in the gadget giveaway. I'd like to see a, an image of it, so we sort of we go through the internet. It's very easy to find this one, because uh, yesterday we were giving away the DAB digital radio uh, from Roberts, and that went to BJ Kumar from Grove Park. Actually, that's the second time we've had a Grove Park winner. I remember, because I remember thinking last time, Grove Park, second winner, BJ Kumar. Well done, Paul Hewson. Is better known as Bono, or Bonio, as we used to call him years ago, but Bono and BJ Kumar knew that, so congratulations, well done. You've got the fantastic DAB digital radio. Today, I'm giving away, for the gadget giveaway, one of the latest tablets from Samsung. The Galaxy S4 is dubbed the iPad Killer. It's wonderful. It's bright. It's very, very funky. It's very expensive. And you could get your hands on it at 6.30 this morning. This is nice. This is nice. So it's the Samsung Galaxy S4. Check it out for yourself. Have a look at it. If you, if you like the look of it, and I can't see why you wouldn't. It's beautiful. Absolutely wonderful. I like this game. It's the kind of thing I'd buy, actually. I'd buy that because it looks funky. It looks like the iPad Mini, doesn't it? Just slightly funkier, as if that were possible. So have a look at it. But you need to know the answer to this question. Because one lucky listener, and hopefully your name read out tomorrow morning on the programme, will win the Samsung Galaxy S4 tablet. Who is Reginald Dwight, better known as? Who is Reginald Dwight, better known as? To enter, you text the word, and you must text the word gadget. G-A-D-G-E-T, and then your answer. Reginald Dwight is known as? So it's gadget, then your answer, and then you send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. 84850. That text will cost you £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network and full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. So it's a Samsung Galaxy S4. It's lovely, isn't it? That really is nice. Isn't it amazing how technology has moved on? You know, you can have this in the... I don't care whether you're a silver surfer or who you are. It's, It's a nice thing to have. It really is. And you can master it. Listen... Children of seven can master these things, so it's very easy for adults. You just put your finger on and, and, just, and it just does everything. Just does everything. Uh, Emin Stanmore says, if it hadn't been for those people, the monument was built for, these vandals would not have the freedom to do as they do. I know, but they're too stupid. They don't understand. They're a bit thicko. They're thicko people. They don't, you know, you'd see them standing by a bus stop, you know, just being a bit stupid or writing their name. I was on a train once and I saw some kids and they'd have felt it bad. They didn't see me because I was in a seat at the back. But uh, I could see them. They were writing. They were writing on the wall of the train. The moment I stood up, they put their little pen away because they're like little girls. They're little frightened people. You know, you feel like going round to their house. And when they're all asleep at night, graffitiising the whole of the front of the house. Then when their mummy comes out in the morning going, what have you done to my house? You go, well, we're just doing what your kids, ob- your, your kids obviously like graffiti. Because they've done it all over a tube train. So we thought we'd do it for your house. There you go. How lucky are you? They'd be the first one. Come here. You know, they'd be pulling the kids round, getting to clean it all off, actually. So annoying, isn't it? So annoying. Anyway, so here is this fraudster. His name is Lee Tyres. This is in Teesside. And he goes out to a curry house. He's a pathetic-looking person. He really is pathetic. And um, he's... He has this meal, but towards the end of it, he puts his hand into his trousers, and he pulls some hair... And he puts it on the thing. And he calls the man over who owns the restaurant. This is uh, Mr Chowdhury. And uh, he says, there's, um, there's hair on my food here. I'm not paying the £40 bill. And Mr Chowdhury says, listen, this is, 
all the staff have black hair here. This is brown hair, OK? You know, and we've got you on CCTV doing it. So anyway, um, th- this, this bloke was taken to court. He'd, he'd eaten most of his lambuna. I don't know what a lambuna is, but it sounds quite delicious at this time of the morning. And, um, but Mr. Mr. Chowdhury told the court, uh, I told him, if you pay for the meal now, I'll look at the CCTV, and if I find there's something wrong, I shall pay you back. He's, he already owed him 110 quid from previous occasions. He's quite clearly a bit of a thicko. You know, he's been eating at this place for, oh, God knows how long, ages and ages. This is Jamal's Fine Dining Indian Restaurant. Uh he, he convinced waiters he had enough cash to pay the bill. He ordered two lambunas, pilo rice, naan, drinks, a chapati, and a shish kebab for himself and a friend. They ate the meal, and then he called over the waiter to complain about the hair in his food, because he's a bit stupid. But anyway, he's been jailed. They've sent him to prison, which is fantastic. Uh, found guilty, jailed for two weeks, and ordered to pay £39.25. And uh, Mr Chowdhury, who owns the restaurant, is a nice man. They said in court he's a nice man. This other man must take advantage. Well, don't ever let him eat there again. Now you've seen his picture, boys. Don't ever let him in your restaurants. Because you get people like that. In fact, it was highlighted in the film Victor Victoria. Do you remember? Where they're sitting there and, and the Julie Andrews character hasn't eaten for ages. And is so, so hungry. So, so hungry. And, uh, and so in the end, she produces this sort of bug. And she drops it into the, into the meal she's having. And, and then screams... The woman at the next table screams because she's seen it, and so they all rush out of the restaurant because they, they were doing that old trick. Somebody told me the other one years ago, it was two of you, say I'm going out with, with the producer. We both go into a restaurant, it'd be unlikely, OK, so don't, don't even get excited about it. Uh, we're not picking out curtains or nothing or anything, you know, anything serious like that. And we go out to a restaurant separately. He goes in there, he sits down and he has a, he has a big meal. And then he calls for the bill. I go in and I order a cup of tea and a cake, and I eat the cup of tea and the cake, and I call for the bill. And then we swap bills. So he's got the bill for the cup of tea and the cake, and he goes up and he pays it and he walks out. I then call the waiter and go, excuse me, I haven't had the fillet steak. I've just had a cup of tea and a cake. And they realise their mistake, and then you repeat it in another restaurant. We reverse the role. Next time he gets the cup of tea and the cake, and I get the, uh, the meal. And that one was operated. The other one, which was very popular, done some years ago. And, in fact, it was so good, it was, uh, it was highlighted in Reader's Digest of a bloke who wrote to all these restaurants, and he said, Dear, dear sir, he, he found it, and he, went, he did this around the world. And he said, I'm, I'm really sorry, he said, but my wife and I were in your restaurant a short while ago having a, a beautiful meal, beautiful meal. Uh, it was to celebrate our wedding anniversary. Unfortunately, the waiter, and I don't want to get the waiter into trouble, he spilt some red wine down my wife's dress. I didn't say anything at the time because I didn't want to get him into trouble, but uh, we've had it professionally dry-cleaned, and it was £34. And he sent these letters off to all these different restaurants with the bill, the fake dry-cleaning bill, for the dress that never was, because he'd never been in these restaurants. And nine out of ten times, the restaurant paid up. They paid up because he'd done it cleverly. He'd written saying we had a lovely meal. We're looking forward to coming back and seeing everybody again. We really were, in, you know, enjoy. He only got caught out because he wrote to one particular restaurant and it turned out they were closed for redecoration. So he hadn't been there at all. And then it appeared on the Internet. And then other restaurateurs went, wait a minute, I've had that letter too. I've had that exact same thing. So uh, lots of scams out there. There are some people who scam well. Always exposed in the Daily Mirror. Penman and Summerlad always expose the fraudsters. And they're all in there today. There they are, the fraudsters who are selling land or selling this or selling that. And they turn out to be absolute rubbish, I'm afraid. And we expose them on the television. But I did think the other day, 
I mean, either the book market has gone completely out of all sense. Just over the road from here is Cecil Court. Cecil Court is lots of little bookshops and uh, all sorts of ephemera and stuff like that. And they do a lot of first editions. And a first edition Paddington is about £250. Nothing compared to The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. A first edition of that is up at the moment in an antique shop in London. It's got a slight rip to the cover... First edition, how much do you think that The Great Gatsby is? It's obviously very apropos at the moment because of the film with Leonardo DiCaprio. I couldn't believe it. I nearly fell off the settee. £120,000 for a book! It's not, you know, 120000 I would expect the Magna Carta. I would expect the Doomsday Book. I'm not expecting F. Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby. 120000 I couldn't believe it! Could not believe it. It seemed just an enormous amount of money. An enormous amount of money. But somebody somewhere will actually buy it, won't they? Because it's, in a, it's an investment, I'm assuming, for them. And that's, that's why. Uh, 84850, Um I'm in a fragile state, says Patrick. My subscription to LBC podcast ran out Monday, and I don't get paid till Friday. Well, there you go. That's it. That's it. It's, it's all gone downhill. You'll just have to save up, won't you? Goodness sake, it's only from as little as, uh, as two pounds. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh. Uh, Miles says, we've got a bloke over here uh, who's doing a programme called the American Baking Contest, supposedly borrowed from a previous British version. Oh, it, well, we do baking. The Americans do baking. They have this programme in America where this bloke goes around restaurants and eats these enormous meals, where they literally take half a cow, grill it, and then he goes, oh, this... And I'm thinking, you're going to be dead in a few years. He's eating burgers. I mean, the calorie content is unreal. I even feel ill watching them cooking this stuff. We take this big side of beef, we marinate it with mushrooms and red wine for 12 hours, then it goes in the oven, then it's covered with tomatoes, then we slice it, then we put Gruyere cheese on the top, and then we slice that on the grill, then we put it on with some jalapeno. Oh, God, at the end of it, I'm thinking, small wonder the Americans are so vast. They re- we don't want anything like that over here, thank you very much indeed. Although, to be quite honest with you, I could do a lambuna right now. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. In your dreams. Nice to have you company. Welcome along to Thursday morning in London. I was playing with my little camera. You see, and uh, and uh, and I'm sort of looking at it, trying to work out how I'm going to sort of fix it in the car because it's a little camera, so you can sort of have it with a little screen, and so you can record if you if you have an accident. I mean, I, I don't have accidents, but if if I'd had an accident, then you know you could sort of, it's got a little tiny. I know it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, technology thirty quid, thirty quid. So you clip it in the car, and then it photographs you for when you're going out for a journey. So if there's an accident, you can then go. This is this is what I've actually got. This is my my record of it. Handy, isn't it? Not that I have accidents, but I'm, I'm planning on a few after this. If I've spent 30 quid on the camera, I might as well make it pay. But uh, I can't get over how, how cheap they are for 30 quid. I think that's really good value. I'm quite excited by that. I do like a bargain. I like a bargain. That's why uh, I like this programme, because I think it's extremely good value. Uh, I'm glad we got you with us this morning, because we do have the gadget giveaway, which this morning is the Galaxy S4, the Samsung Galaxy S4. It's lovely. I, don't, I mean, every time I look at it, I think to myself, I've seen them out and about, and I thought, I'll buy one of those. I thought, it's a bit expensive for me. <laughs> a bit expensive for me. They're uh, quite a bit. But it, it is lovely. It's thin. It's light. It's known, actually, as the killer iPad, the iPad killer. So uh, check it out on the internet. Check it out. 
Check it out. It's wicked. It's beautiful. It really is lovely. It really, it really is a very, very nice piece of kit. It's got everything on it. So everything that you've got on your iPad, you've got on here. It's got the camera. It's got the contacts. It's got downloads. It's got the internet. It's got Google. It's got the clock, the calendar, the calculator, Chrome, emails, Flipboard, group play, maps, messaging, local, everything. Absolutely everything you need on there. And presumably, presumably, pardon me, you can put your music on as well and your photos and everything else. And you can get it this morning at 6.30. It can be yours. We have happy winners every day. I say happy winners because it's always nice when somebody phones you and go, it's you, it's you, and you go, yeah. So today you could get your hands on my Samsung Galaxy S4, the iPad killer. It's lovely. All you need to do is answer this question correctly and then send it in to me. So, who is Reginald Dwight? better known as. Who is Reginald Dwight, better known as? Text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and gadget is very, very important. You have to put the word gadget on there, G-A-D-G-E-T, then your answer, and send it to 84850, 84850, by 6.30 this morning. The text will cost you £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We're playing across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck. Good luck, because that's a very, very nice... Check it out on the internet first, if, if you're not, uh, not too sure, and you think to yourself, I better have a quick look, just see if I want something like this. And you will, and you will. Um... I know that Duncan was talking earlier on about the story that's on the front page of the Daily Mail today about the teacher who downloaded child porn has been allowed to resume his career by the Department of Education. This man was sacked, given a police caution in order to sign the sex offenders register after admitted viewing sickening images over several years. I wasn't even aware this stuff was still on the internet, but apparently it is. And, um, and now a professional mm. conduct panel said the married RE teacher... He's like, this is RE? Religious, is this religious education? Good Lord. Good return to the classroom because of his excellent teaching. Well, there you go. There you go. I mean, I don't know. Uh, here's the couple, very, very happy indeed. And this is Richard and Cathy Brown. Played the same numbers on the lottery for 19 years, and finally it's paid off for them. They've got £6 million. And they were just about to set off uh, sailing. And, um, and now they've gone, I don't think we're going to, actually, because we've got £6 million. I would have thought that was even more reason to go out sailing. Even more reason to go out sailing. Shameful, the story we did yesterday. I don't know why the Daily Mail is so late on this one. The family of nine on benefits who splurged two and a half thousand quid on a 3D television. It's because they're those sort of people. They're chavs. You know, nothing to do with the fact whether they're on benefits or not. They're those sort of people. And unfortunately, because the parents are like it and the father swears in front of them, the kids will grow up like it as well. You could see the, you could see the never-ending pattern emerging, can't you? And then their kids and then their kids and so it goes on. And eventually... You know, people will will just give up and we'll sort of run out of money and we won't better pay these people anymore. Uh, here's poor old... Um, this is uh, Alexandra Burke. Now, I said this a while ago. Alexandra Burke has now been dropped by her record label because if you don't get any publicity and if you don't turn out hit sick, they're not going to keep you. That's why all the people who ever win the X Factor, there's no longevity for any of them. There's no longevity. The only person who's sort of got longevity would be Paul Potts or... Um, or, Will, well, Will Young. I mean, when was the last time Will Young had a record out? He could afford, he's, he's played it quite cleverly. He can afford to sit around. Alexandra Burke, I think Blue are in the same position. They don't have a record deal. They've had to, to do it themselves, hoping that a bit of exposure on the television means that they can then go on to be very successful. So Alexandra, she has a few hit singles, which are very good. She goes to America, then comes back here. Then we, because it's a career. 
It's not just pop in, pop out when you feel like it. It's like people who are appearing in West End shows. That's what they do for a living. They want to appear in, in West End shows. They're looking to jump from one show to another because they want to keep singing. There's no point in sort of not working. So poor old Alexandra Burke, you know, she won... I mean, she won in 2008. And I don't know what you do after that. I mean, I think her last single, Let It Go, <coughs> got to number 33. Well, that's a failure. In, in, in record company terms, they don't want a number 33 in the charts. In its second week in the singles charts, it plunged to 74, selling just 4,461 copies. Now, in any other situation, you don't need that many hits, singles, to get to the top of the charts. They sell quite, quite small numbers. However, Hallelujah, which still holds the record for most sales in 24 hours, at 105,000. Um, she was told by Clive Davis, who helped make Whitney Houston a star, that she was the future of pop music. In 2011... She left Simon Cowell's psycho label for RCA, whose team helped make Beyoncé and Rihanna famous. It was hoped she would repeat the success of Leona Lewis, but it was not to be. She tried to reinvent herself as an R&B singer. You can't do it. You have to go with what the public see you as. And it's a great shame, really. So she signed a, a management deal. She hopes to release a third album that's understood a record deal has not yet been signed. I mean, I think many of these X Factor... Isn't it one of them has just declared himself bankrupt to form a winner of the X Factor? Was that the Singing Dustman or somebody like that? I was, certainly somebody was in the papers the other week. I mean, St- Steve Brookstein was dropped by Sony just eight months after his victory. Because he... What Steve Brookstein... And he's quite happy, believe you me because we've spoken to him about it. He didn't want to play the game. He didn't want to play the Simon Cowell game of bringing out a load of old cover versions. That's like poor old Westlife. Their entire life was made up of cover versions of songs, because it was things that Lulu Walsh's mother would have bought, you know, which gave them sort of, you know, the naff edge over everybody else. Don't get me wrong, I thought they were great. Absolutely thought, thought they were great. But it's cover versions, nothing original. And for poor old Alexandra Burt, she wants to change, you know, the way she goes, and the public go, no, no. Um, 84850. The, the, remember the Tory MP the other day? We didn't, we didn't name the Tory MP. The Tory MP and his wife are the lesbian housekeeper. Well, anyway, it's been thrown out, the sex claim, because the lesbian lover has told of her lies. So that one there. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, I've never heard of some of these stories before. I sit here with incredulity reading about some of them. Um, and this is, um, oh, who's this? Oh, Rebecca Brooks. And Charlie Brooks arriving at court. I sat next to her at Joe Allen's once, Rebecca Brooks came in, when she was married to that Ross Kemp bloke out of EastEnders. Um, here we go. What have we got here? What have we got here? I'm trying to find something else of, uh, of interest. Oh, Tony Blair's former roost, one Richmond Crescent Islington, is offered for £3,150,000. They sold it for £615,097, having bought it for 375000 and uh, that was when Cherie Blair opened the door, you know, in her nightie to receive some flowers. You remember that picture? Never, t- Poor old Cherie Blair. Never never took a good picture. Never, never sort of won in the, oh, look, isn't she attractive kind of sticks. You know, every picture, she either looks a bit sort of like gormless or something. She just didn't take good pictures. Or she tried to look jolly hockey sticks and came over as looking slightly freaky. You know, you don't want to live next door to this person. A friend of mine used to live just down from them. He's made a small fortune, hasn't he, about his, out of all his, uh, his sort of properties... You know, he's sort of classic Prescott, champagne socialist. He's making a fortune, not as much as some other people. I was looking at how much old Gordon Brown's raking in through doing some of these 
speeches around. Who pays for these? But the Americans, I suppose. They like that kind of thing, don't they? 84850, uk. I love your show. I'm a Mancunian who hates the heat, living in Dubai. It was 34 degrees at 6.30. Thank goodness everywhere's air-conditioned. I was speaking to Lisa Riley yesterday about... Name drop. Uh, about air conditioning. I said, I live in air conditioning. I said, I don't, I don't want to not be in air conditioning. I don't like the heat. I get very upset. I stand on a bus. And I know, oh, I'm going to start sweating any minute. I don't like this at all. I'm not very good at it. Uh, used to live in, in Acton. Now I'm in Poole in Dorset, says Andy. Not sure what's worse for vandals. It's lovely down here, though. I must be unlucky. Love to catch them, though. Cars cost a lot of money to run. They certainly do. They certainly do. I, I think when, whenever you find somebody who vandalises a car, I think it comes down to jealousy. You know, they je- again, they're people of limited intelligence. They won't have done particularly well at school. They won't have many friends. They probably drink. They probably have drug problems. Probably dropped on the red as babies. I love the story of Wesley Carrington. Wesley Carrington bought his first metal detector, and he goes out metal detecting. Within 20 minutes, he'd found a hoard of Roman coins worth £100,000. <laughs> I always wanted... A metal detector. He's since joined a metal detecting club, and uh, he hasn't found anything with them at all. So he's done very well there, isn't he? Hundred thousand pounds. I always wanted a metal detector. My parents never bought me one. I, f- I felt as though I was uh, deprived as a child. I, I, I used to watch people going along the banks of the of the Thames with their metal detectors. Beep 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 beep. Because there must be loads of stuff in there. Because you know that I am responsible. I'll tell you this again. I am responsible for future hordes of coins. Because what I used to do, I used to save two peas and one peas. And what I, I did one, one day, I bagged them all up in plastic bags, probably about ten different plastic bags, wrapped them all up, and then inside another plastic bag, wrapped them all up. So they're about three or four plastic bags, hordes of, of loads of coins, and I've thrown them in the river. So in years to come, you know, in a few hundred years' time, somebody will go, look at this. We fa- and I put in there, these were, how sad am I, these were dropped in the river by Steve Allen, a radio presenter. So they come with a little card as well. And it's all, it's two peas and one piece. Because in hundreds of years' time, they will be, they'll be in the silts already at the bottom of the river. And then somebody will find them and open up and go, look, it's a treasure trove. And I've done it at Chertsey, I've done it at Richmond, I've done it at Twickenham, I've done it all over the place. I've just thrown, you know, bagfuls of coins in the river. It's an illness, isn't it, really? It's a bit like the socks, I suppose. Quarter past five. It's twenty past five. It's Thursday morning. It's going to be another nice day. I might undo an extra button on the shirt. Let's have a look. No, I don't think we will. <laughs> it's just a, there's, there's some people are destined not, not to go out in the sun, and I'm, I'm one of them, I'm afraid. I'm such a bad person in the sun. I wish I, wish I wasn't. I wish I was like these people. I remember going on holiday with a friend of mine, Dale, years and years and years ago, and... And he sort of, he just worshipped the sun. Me, I couldn't, I couldn't get, you know, too little of it. I'd be happy to sit in a hotel room. I'm not bothered about the sun at all. He would lie there on a sun lounger, and then t- every time the sun moved, he turned the sun lounger round. So you were facing, I thought, oh no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Uh, here is uh, a tale for all those people who think, I'll just give to a beggar who's sitting on a pavement with a dog. This is a story today of a man who's a fraud. He's a fraud, but he's raked in, oh, so much money, ladies and gentlemen. And where's he done it from? The good folk of Putney. Yes, here he is, exposed today, the homeless beggar. Homeless, need, need food, need money. His name is Simon Wright. He looked for all the world, sitting on the pavement with his dog and his sleeping bag like a homeless beggar. 
What the passers-by who gave him cash didn't know, that he was earning over £50,000 a year from begging and living in a £300,000 council flat. He's a fraud. Yes, at the end of every day, he would pick up his handwritten sign and head back to his home in Fulham. 50,000 quid a year. I've said to you before, don't ever, ever, ever give money. This is not the first time we've exposed somebody on the programme. There used to be a guy sitting outside Leicester Square Tube and the uh, a couple of journos got a bit suspicious of him because he was there every day. So they followed him at the end of the day and he gets into a brand new car around the corner. Because people... You've got, you've got any spare change? I could do it. Got any, got any spare change? They've all got plaintive, pathetic little girl voices. You've got, the dog's dying. You've got, got any money? Go away. Anyway, locals say he regularly went into the bookmakers and amusement shops to change up his loose coins. On many occasions, they added up to be two, between two and three hundred quid a day. OK. Anyway, he's now had a, an ASBO banning him from begging anywhere in London. He's a pathetic... But he's not, actually. He's very clever. Fifty grand a year for sitting on your bottom on a pavement. You know, the good people of... Uh, he worked every day. He used to get lots of gifts. People used to give him money which, of course, is fraud, because he was saying he was homeless and he isn't. Uh, he proved Putney High Street was such a lucrative venue. Nine other fraudulent beggars have set up home there. It's easy. You just... Uh, oh, some, oh, some money, please. Was somebody asleep in Twickenham on the pavement outside the Kentucky shop yesterday? I was hoping secretly, you know, he might not have been asleep, just drunk. Anyway, commuters who fell for the story said they were shocked to learn they'd been duped. Chris Fabersham said, I definitely gave him money over the years. I wonder if I can get it back. No, of course you can't. He spent it. He's a thief. He's living in a £300,000, very flash council flat. I mean, it's ridiculous. The ASBO will remain in place until 2015. He admitted fraud and begging, and he could be sent to prison if he does it again for up to five years. I mean, frankly, it's just... It's, I've, I've always said to you, you can't trust any of these people. You know, I mean, if, if they're sort of... They're, they're obviously making no attempt to find work, many of them. Let's get got some money. Have you got te- it used to be, have you got 5p for a cup of tea? I used to say to them, where are you getting a cup of tea at 5p for? There's all these, you know, good people at St Mungo's and everything else who offer sanctuary to these sort of people, but this one's just ripping people off. If you see him out there in Putney or anywhere else in London, there's a picture of him in the paper today, you can't miss him. Just go and kick him. I think he's worth the kicking, I'm afraid. I hate it, people like that who cheap it. I mean, I know people have done fraud for years and years and years. I thought for one horrible moment, says Freddie, that you were going to say that Carol Vorderman was cutting the length of her dresses even further. Is she trying to outbattle her daughter in the skirt size department? Blimey, love, we know you're in pretty reasonable nick for a woman in her early 70s, but stop flaunting your frumpy bits at every opportunity. Yes, poor old Carol Vorderman. She loves the publicity, doesn't she? Because let's face it, Carol Vorderman, when she was doing Countdown, she was just a, just a girl who did numbers. Not exactly that clever, is it? Most people did maths at school. And uh, she didn't get the coverage. And she was only four grand a show. And then they cut it back. And then we got the moaning about that. And then she did an advert. And then she did those women. And, and so it goes on. I understand what she's doing. Also, she said, stick to doing photo shoots in Saga if you have to. Preferably with a coat on. Oh, there's no doubt she's very attractive. It's just that the rest of the panel must be sitting there. It's like every time Denise Welsh was in the newspapers, they must be sitting there going, how is it certain people on certain programmes get, get publicity? And other people don't. When we used to do Five's Company, it was interesting because Nick Knowles, who was with us on the panel, he was always very gracious, actually. Rodri Williams, of course, had a little bit of a sex scandal thing going with, uh, with John Leslie. So that was always a bit exciting for us. Esther McVeigh went on to be an MP, but uh, she was the one who didn't do the rehearsals for the show. She would sit down, they'd go, uh, can I go and do hair and makeup now? And so she toddled off to do hair and makeup. 
It was Amanda was always, you know, very sort of glam and everything else. But it was it was just it was an interesting time to see how it worked behind the scenes. Freddie says, surely the Talisa scandal would have all cleared up now with a tearful pour a heart out one to one with Piers Morgan. Do a run on Strictly or Dancing on Ice for a sense and everything would be forgiven. Oh, exactly. Well, exactly. That's how it works. So what she's doing, I mean, quite clearly, somebody said, don't, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Let's wait and see how this, this one pans out. Because I'd have sort of, you know, you'd have gone, she's supposed to be all big and up front. It turns out, I mean, if she is this pathetic person that we're sort of seeing before us now, then quite clearly the whole thing is, is just a very bad act. It's not very clever, is it, really? Not very clever. If it's true. If it's true, if it's not true, it's not true. If she was just showing off, well, then she was showing off. You can't do anything about that. Perhaps she's just a silly, gobby little person. No way, Jose, as they say. Uh, Steve, you said you've uh, dropped many bags of coins in the Thames with notes inside. In hundreds of years' time, nobody would be speaking English. You should have written the notes in Arabic. <laughs> I should have done them in Chinese, actually. But, uh, no, I think it's quite exciting. That's how you should drop them in there. I used to think to myself, this could be a treasure trove in a few hundred years' time. Yeah, you're going to go, yeah producer's going to go and sort of barricade the Thames, drain it to find these little bags of money. There's probably only about, about sort of five or six quid's worth of, in, each, in each bag. And I don't know how long plastic lasts in water. I mean, would it last for quite a while? Seems to, doesn't it, I suppose. Imagine hundreds of... Because even if the plastic then corrodes, the coins will then fall into the silt, and then maybe if they dam the river up or divert it years, years to come, you know, hundreds of years down the line, they will find it. And I'll probably be in a museum... There'll be my coins in a museum. Somebody say, we have this very old recording. And it'll go, I used to drop the coins in the water. And it'll be like they'll be played out on the radio, which will be completely different because you won't actually have a radio like a Robert's DAB. You'll just have a little thing that you stick on the side of your ear. And that means you just tune into any radio station that you want to. It'll be, that'll be in the future, be like Dan Dare. And most people will be having the Samsung Galaxy S4. Most people will be having it. Have you checked out on the internet? Have you had a look and seen what my gadget giveaway today looks like? It really... I mean, to be honest with you, I'd, I'd want one of these. I'd want... I'd love one of these. I've looked at it. We've looked at it every which way but. We've put up all the pictures. It's like... It's called the uh, the killer iPad. The iPad killer. Because this does everything. It's beautiful. It's exactly the right size. Just go and type it in on Google. Type in Samsung Galaxy S4. I mean, you can take pictures, you can do colours, you can do different tones, you can do everything. It's a computer in your hand. Everything is in here that you need. You know, either for you or maybe, you know, if you've got a one of the kids' special birthdays coming up, 18 or 21 or whatever it happens to be, or an elderly person. Because I tell you, elderly people can get just as much out of this. I see more silver surface now who are using these tablets because they're easy to do. You can put books on there. You know, you can put your photos. So every time you go out, you don't need to look around for the camera, have it round your neck. You've got this thing and you just take pictures. It's as simple as that. If you'd like to win it, you need to know the answer to this question. And the question today is, who is Reginald Dwight? better known as. Who is Reginald Dwight better known as? To enter, you have to text the word gadget. I have to keep impressing on you because some people forget to put the word gadget there, but gadget takes you into the right competition department. So please, gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T. Then the answer to who is Reginald Dwight better known as. Shh, no helping, no helping. And you send that then to 84850. 84850. It's got to be here by 6.30 this morning, so you're just on the hour. Just on the hour. The text will cost you £1.50. 
plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. We're playing across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions are online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck. Your chance to get your hands on the Samsung Galaxy S4, the iPad killer. It really is nice. I'd, 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 I always say they're nice prizes. Today is an exceptionally nice prize. Today is exceptionally. And it would be nice as well, would it not, to be reading your name out on tomorrow's programme. You can go, that is my moment of fame. I'm on LBC 97.3. I'm still getting over the excitement of the Help for Heroes and how much money we raised for that with some really nice prizes. I thought that was really good, actually. went very, very well on uh, LBC. I wonder if we'll do it again. It'll be quite nice. Uh, the USA is five hours behind the UK. So I normally go to bed when your programme finishes. However, I stayed up to hear Nick and was astonished to hear what is happening in Hyde Park. Yes, more vandalisation of the Bomber Command Memorial. I mean, you can't believe it. Once you could think, yes, not twice, not twice. They've got to get some security out there. It's uh, 5.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 28, 29 minutes to six. Nearly panicked you in the bathroom. God, look, quick. We've got, a, we've got one minute less to get to work. X-Factor Judge Sharon Osborne. Let's put the boot in on Talisa, revealing she loved the pop babe's arrest. She said, I'm happy she's been nicked. And you can always rely on Sharon Osborne to open her mouth and not engage her brain, which is very good. Here's poor old Melanie Sykes, the old lady's out pushing a shopping trolley. A little bit disappointed that her last TV show was cancelled. Well, canned, actually, because it was so blooming dreadful. Uh, Robbie Williams made good a promise. He was uh, releasing a thousand balloons at a secret London location today with 20 carrying pairs of tickets to his show. Getting a bit desperate when Robbie Williams starts releasing balloons everywhere with tickets to shows. Good Lord. And uh, what else was here, actually? This is uh, Pippa Middleton. Not very exciting. The homeless uh, beggar, Simon Wright of Fulham, who makes up to 300 quid a day through begging. Don't ever think they're not making any money. Uh, They are. Uh, Also, Karl Lagerfeld has now sparked a little bit of fury amongst animal lovers by saying he wants to marry his cat. I don't know why he sparked fury. He's just mad as a broom. I don't know why you'd be worried at all about him. It's it's completely crackpot. People say, oh, that's awful. Listen, I've seen animal lovers who marry their pets off to other pets. That's mad as brooms, ladies and gentlemen. Karl Lagerfeld is all right, so he, he might be not the full shilling. Did you see Victoria Beckham making a rather rude joke at the th- in front of her son, Brooklyn, who's, what, 14? How disgusting, how low rent. And then she went, oh, I didn't mean to say that. The trouble is she then gave herself away because I think she likes to come across, Vic- old Vic Beckham, as being a bit sophisticated, but she's not sophisticated at all. She's actually quite common. But she sort of gets up there and she does this rude joke in front of her son and goes, oh, we're so sorry, Brooklyn, so sorry that mummy said that. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I thought she was so stupid anyway. It's a bit of a bit of a daft thing. But she can't wait to spend more time with Dave. Now he's retired from the pitch. He's probably thinking, I better find another job as quick as possible. It's worked out so far so well. We don't have to see each other that often. Joan Collins and Graham Norton hitting it uh, off the other day. She's amazing for 80. She's absolutely amazing. I always get depressed when I look at her. And, uh, and the Saturday is still proving that they're desperate for Dan. They wanted to uh, to get a picture taken with Daniel Radcliffe. I know, something to look back on at the end of your career next year. And, uh, you know, when you've all got pictures of Dan on the, the kitchen wall. I used to do that. I used to have pictures taken with the celebrities. But it wasn't for any ego boost or anything like that. I'm not that sort of person. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. One here at um, 
84850. Um, another one here. Wait a minute, can't find this. Can't find this one here. Where's it gone to? Oh, I don't know. People talk about pigeons. And uh, I bumped into a friend of mine, actually, yesterday. Uh, Lynn says, whenever you're asked for change by one of these dubious beggars, at least you have a reasonable excuse. I'm so sorry. I always throw my coins in the river. Is this homeless man's 350,000 man home being paid for in benefits? If so, they're going to stop his money, says Monique. Oh, I shouldn't think so. I shouldn't think so. They're so stupid down there. Did you just say Carol Vorderman is 70? Surely not, says Rick. Well, she's 97, isn't she, I think? Round the hips. Actually, there's a woman on the train the other day. I went on the Reading train. Oh. It was so full of just awful people, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, when they find your coins in the river, they can go shopping and take the shopping trolley they also find in the river. Uh, Ian says, have you heard about the woman who won the money in America? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. She's opted for £370 million as a one-off payment. Yeah, they, they, they do it differently in America. This is how much the lottery is worth, but only if it's spread over a period of time. If you choose to take a lump sum, so as opposed to £580 million, she gets three... But she's 84 What's she going to do with 370 million? What's she going to do with 70 million? She's 84. The camera, very easy to fit. Couple of six-inch nails into the dashboard. Job done, and good luck to Neil today, says Kevin the Milman, because Neil's having his, his eye test. Uh, the programme is called Man vs. Food. This is the American food show. This is what he goes out to these places to discover in America. And he's not as big as you think he is. He, but he's, he's, he must be ruining his arteries. Because he's, has he stopped doing it? I'm not at all surprised. I mean, he, he did a burger the other day, and it was a quarter of a pound of... Well, not a quarter of a pound. It was a, a side of an animal with then bacon and cheese and pork and sausage meat and everything else, all in a burger, squirted over with this, this mayonnaise, and, oh, it was just disgusting. And they've got people sitting there, and they say, oh, the, these are the best burgers this side of the Mississippi, and I'm thinking, you're all going to be dead soon. They've got no concept at all of what you're supposed to eat in the healthy living. I know they try. They do try in America, but they have this huge problem with obesity, where the portions in restaurants are enormous. I mean, I've, I've looked at, at some of the, the burgers, and I've looked at, at some of these little kitchens that are turning out these huge man-sized portions. I mean, you do, and it becomes like a challenge for him to eat the meal. Apparently, on some of them, if you actually eat... The food, you get it for free. And so there's loads of pictures on the internet eating sort of giant pizzas. I mean, there's one here on the right. It's a whole stack of burgers with what looks like about six portions of fries. So it's making my mouth water looking at it. Because some of them look quite nice, but not, not for one person. You know, giant baguettes that have got like 24 sausages in for one person. Thank goodness we don't have anything like that. Thank goodness the British are so mean. All our portion. Remember they brought out Nouvelle Cuisine? And it was called Nouvelle, because we looked round the plate going, excuse me, the food is where? Where is the food? Oh, it's from France. It's uh, Nouvelle Cuisine. What's that mean? It means there's not very much of it. You know, so, I mean, I went there one time. A, a lettuce leaf arrived. The food was hiding under the lettuce leaf. That's how bad things were. Nouvelle Cuisine. It was rubbish. Rubbish. Thank God it finished. People went back to a normal portion. I get very upset. I mean, I, it's not that I'm sort of looking, you know, for sort of giant portions, but I'm looking for something that you, uh, that you can actually eat. Uh, dopey old Helen Flanagan, for that read, very stupid, uh, asked the question the other day, do cars need oil? I mean, it's, it's just, it's embarrassing, isn't it, when a, when a five-year-old knows more about something than this, uh, this woman who was in uh, Coronation Street, but not particularly good. Probably the best thing she ever did was leave the street. 
the new call to addicts, cut down if you'll never quit cigarettes. Cut, cut down if you'll never quit ciggies. Because it's very difficult. I've spoken to people before, over the years, and uh, people have been saying, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult to stop smoking. There's no hard and fast rule to it. It's very, very difficult. But you've got to want to stop. I don't know what would make you stop. If, if you went to your doctor and he said, um, you know, you're, you're going to die, would that make you stop smoking? Probably not for some people. Probably not for some people. They wouldn't, they, it wouldn't bother them. But if, if, if my doctor had said to me, and they didn't, I just decided, with a producer, ironically, Mandy and I decided at the same time that we were going to stop smoking. She went back on, I think, a little bit. Uh, whereas I managed to stay off for two years, then went back on again, then came off and then stayed off again. Because it's not easy, it's very addictive. Sometimes I look at people smoking and I think, oh, I could just go a cigarette. And I think, no, and it does pass quite quickly. It really does pass very, very quickly. I see that Ollie Murs has warned the boy band Union J to cherish the moment as pop stardom can be a fickle business. Oh, absolutely, it's, it, it can. He's, he's offering the right advice there. That you can be top of the charts. Look at Alexandra Burke, classic example on this programme this morning of one minute record contract, flying high, fabulous videos, broken heels, you know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, I used to, I got, I'm, I, you know, downloaded all her stuff. Now, no record label interested because she wants to go in a slightly different direction and you just cannot change halfway through. You know, you're looking at this business as being long term. The only people that don't last long term, sadly, and it's, it's a fact, boy bands. They do not last because at some point, as you've seen with this reunion programme, they grow up and some of them even grow, uh, you know, moustaches and, and hair and stuff like that, you know, which, of course, they've had to have uh, electrolysized when they uh, to make them continue young because the moment One Direction start growing beards is the time that the fans desert them in droves or failing that, you know, the, the fact they don't like it when they have girlfriends because all the girl fans want to go out with all the boys in the group. Once you can find the straight ones, because it's quite difficult nowadays to actually find an all-straight boy band. There's always going to be a gay one somewhere, because one in four is. So if there's five of you in the group, there could be two. And so you go out there, and it's you've got a shelf life. There's a limit. I mean, I remember when Take That came back a few years back, and they did the Royal Variety Show, and they did Pray. When they went down, you could hear the bones cracking from where we were sitting. To watch them all trying to get up again was like watching a lot of old men... You know, trying to get himself back off the ground again. But the shows were great, and that, that was different. That was done big time. I don't think some of these bands that you see nowadays, the little popsicle bands, as I call them, who are sort of pretty boys, you know, I mean, I could have been in a boy band. I could have done that, you know, if I'd wanted to. Unfortunately, I never had the looks, you know, and, and I can't sing, really. Well, I mean, I can get away with it, but I couldn't do any of that. Imagine half of them can't sing either. But they all go there. And they're, and they're sort of living the dream, I suppose. But what do you do if you're an ex-boy band member? The answer is you better get a job pretty quickly. Because it's very short-lived. Very, very short-lived. You know, the moment you don't sell, your last single or your last album doesn't sell, is the moment the record company go, well, then what's the point of keeping you? So they drop you because there'll be somebody else around the corner. Every time they have a winner for the X Factor, I always think, well, enjoy it quickly. Enjoy it quickly. Because they'll be doing another show very soon and there'll be another winner to promote. Because they're all signed up to these groups. It's like the, the woman who won The Voice. Album scraped in. Scraped in. What, 100 or something like that? Sold 1,000 copies. Well, that's a, that's a failure. That's a failure in the record business. They're not, they're not interested. So, Ollie Murs is, is absolutely right. Uh, he says that, uh, that the lads from Union J can fill the void left by JLS. What void? 
There is no void left by JLS. They're just they're just another band. And also JLS, uh, I think, were their their dance routines were a little a little bit more complicated than than Union J. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know what Union J's dance numbers look like. I'll have to I'll have to go onto YouTube afterwards and check them out. But uh, I don't think there's a void left by JLS. They will go off and do their own things. As usual, they all say the same things. When they split up, I'm looking forward to doing my own music. And you think, listen, if Alexandra Burke can't get arrested, there is no chance for anybody else. That's why when we talked about Sarah Harding the other week, ex of Girls Aloud, um, and uh, she's had to try and find her. She'll need a job very soon. Because they're not going to buy into her in the charts. What's she, what's she going to... What sort of songs is she going to... Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's just, you know, there is no thing. She goes, oh, I've got lots of songs I've written. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's the trouble. It's a, it's a very, very fickle business. A very, very fickle business. Um, what's this? Madam Two Swords have now employed a full-time tissue attendant next to One Direction because the hysterical fans, apparently young girls become so emotional on seeing the likeness of Harry Styles that they end up in floods of tears. Oh, grow up. Grow up. It's ridiculous. They're all there because at Madame Two Swords, unlike years ago when you couldn't touch the waxworks, now you can touch them. Some of them, they are so frighteningly realistic, I promise you. You expect them to turn around and go, hello. Oh, seriously, I mean, have you ever been? No, not your sort of thing. But uh, it's, it, they are frighteningly re- realistic, even down to sort of little bits of hair growth. And they're really, really very good. I can remember seeing Alan Titchmarsh. Once, I think, the Ideal Home Show, there was Anton Deck and Alan Titchmarsh, a few other people. And you seriously thought they were just holding the pose until you got level with them and go, hello. And that would freak me out completely. Really. They did a thing a while ago, was it Noel Edmonds or somebody like that, where they set up a girl and she was going to get married. That's right, she was going to get married, but her father was in Australia and so they flew him over. They told him he'd won a competition. He went to Madame Two Swords, and there was a wedding party, and all there with the bride and all the guests. And they were saying, "On oh, this is Madame Two Swords. This is." And then he went round and he saw it was his daughter. And then all the wedding party went hi. And he went woo, and I was going woo. It was all terribly emotional, terribly emotional. But uh, so now, because people cannot get over the excitement of Harry Styles. Sitting there, they want to go and put their arms around, have their pictures taken. So the attendants are standing with a box of tissues. I mean, I ask you, what is the mental age of these poor girls who sit there and go, ooh? <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, come on. He's only Harry Styles with bad hair. You know, I could, I, I, that wouldn't happen for me. I don't think so. I just have a lot of people sort of waving their crutches at me and things like that, you know, as in, you know, broken legs and stuff. I don't think I, I don't, we, I don't, we'd ever get as far as the Steve Allen box of tissues brigade. That certainly wouldn't be happening. Quarter to six is the time. LBC 97.3. Call 08456060973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, Nick Ferrari and the team at seven o'clock this morning. They'll be crossing live to the North London Community Centre destroyed in the fire of yesterday, plus our correspondent in Los Angeles brings you the latest on the reported suicide attempt of Michael Jackson's daughter, Paris. And as the Bomber Command Memorial is again daubed in graffiti, Nick will be talking to the air marshal responsible for its upkeep. And, upkeep. and of course, being Thursday, it's Nick Clegg. For Call Clegg from nine o'clock today. So Nick Ferrari and the team, Mehdi Hassan, political director of Huffington Post UK, will be looking at the papers this morning. I can't believe that the uh, it's been desecrated again, that war memorial. I just can't quite get my head around that. Well, I can. I'm just sort of thinking the sooner they catch this person, the better. I mean, it's, I mean it is 
exactly what he will say, I should imagine. He'll say that we're very sad that somebody's done it. I hope they find them very quickly. They find them very quickly. I don't know why there's no CCTV on it. You put up something like that, I mean, quite clearly it's upset somebody, somebody of limited intelligence. It'll be somebody, it'll be an attention seeker, though. That's what it'll be. It'll be somebody, when they actually find them, it'll be somebody that go, oh, you know, of course, he's been unemployed, he was dropped on his head as a child by his parents who split up when he was 12 or something silly. Uh, Steve, Madam Two Swords is weird. I've been there a couple of times. I've been there a couple of times. I, I find it quite fascinating. It's quite. It's, it's better laid out now than it used to be. It used to be uh, badly laid out. Now it's, it's very good, and you can sort of get around. But it's the fact you can have your picture taken with all these people. You can have your picture taken now with One Direction. I'm, not, I'm, I'm sure that they're not really standing there with boxes of tissues. I'm sure they're not really. I'm sure that it's just a publicity thing to try, try to think of some way of getting it right. Uh, laughed out loud when you said, have you got any spare change? The dog's dying. You know, that's, that's... I just don't know why anybody gives money to beggars. Nine out of ten of them are fraudulent. Nine out of ten are fraudulent in London. This is highlighted in case you've just woken up. And if you have, you're late. But it's nice to have your company anyway. The beggar in Putney, who's been there for ages and ages, he's been raking in 50 grand a year, they reckon. That's a conservative estimate. But he goes back every day to his £300,000 council flat. And he goes and gets his sort of change, you know, sort of changed up by the amusement arcade and places like that. And there's people around there going, I've been giving to him for years. Fools. Suckers. Never give to people sitting by a cash point machine. Why are you sitting down there? Are you disabled or something? I can understand it. If all our cash points and the people begging were elderly. You know, if they were really old people going, can you really help me? As opposed to sort of dirty looking old men who've got a drink problem. And young people sitting there with a dog who can't speak. And I know the ability to speak. They're really a complete waste of time. You know, they're probably on benefits. I can't, why, why can't you get a job? I haven't got anywhere to live. This one's got a £300,000 flat in Fulham. It's beautiful. Beautiful, but he goes back there every night. Every night after he's ripped off the people of Putney. Anyway, he's now got his ASBO and uh, he won't be able to do it again. But, of course, he's, he's addicted to it. What does he do? Go and get a job? No, I haven't worked in his life. Hasn't worked in his life. Uh, some years ago, my daughter was working in Paris, says Mel. When a work colleague came back to work after maternity leave, having been very careful to get a thoroughly vetted childminder through an agency, one day she had to go home during the day to collect some papers, only to pass her childminder sitting begging on the pavement with her baby. Now that's the kind of story that puts a smile on our face, doesn't it, in the morning? This is, have you got some money? It's, it's the fact they've all got silly little voices. You know, but it's, it's the aggressive ones who actually come round the tables in the outdoor... Now we've got this outdoor cafe society, which, you know, it's OK provided you've got nice weather, but when it's rubbish weather, it's, it's awful. And they... Excuse me, mate, I've, I've come down from, uh, from Glasgow. Oh, do you have... No, I haven't. No, I haven't. No, I've got nothing at all. I've got no money on me. No money on me, but I'm wearing clothes worth a £1,000. You know, you have to lie. Because otherwise, you can't just give... It's like when you go to other countries and you see kids begging. You can't give to them. Because there's hundreds and thousands of them, and you just can't give to everybody. Otherwise, you'd have no money left. It's, it's a sad state of affairs, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, uk. Um, uh, when are we going to see you in a show, says Carol. Loved seeing you present the Magic Circle event. That was great. All your Facebook fans are wondering the same. Loved them all, dear Noreen and Go. Oh, wait a minute, I've just I've completely forgotten about my uh, things here. Actually, Nick uh, Nick Tilsley, you were asking where Nick Tilsley is. He's actually still running his bistro, 
Though God knows how it turns in a profit. However, I do think that his encounter with Todd turned his head in more ways than one. Shortly afterwards, he disappeared with his six-pack and blonde curtained hair in tow and came back several years later with no six-pack and a totally different head. Even Gail, his mum, looked surprised when he turned up at the door, though some say that's her normal expression. In view of yesterday's discussion about Enterprise, good job they didn't own the Rover's return. It would now be flats. Very funny. It's a good line, actually. Very good line. And Paris Jackson... Like you, says Paul in Manchesterford. Very sorry to hear about Paris Jackson's attempt to take her life, but not really surprised. It's bad enough to be growing up these days as it is, but to be the daughter of a legend, even more so. The worst of it, as you say, she's got nobody she can confide in. If she talks to her friends or has a boyfriend, she must be constantly worrying about what she says being quoted. And then there's always the thought of somebody only being with you for who you are related to and not the person you are. I remember years ago reading an interview with Chris Evans, uh, Chris Everett, Chris Everett, the tennis player, not sure if it was before or after her romance with Jimmy Connors, and she mentioned how lonely she was. All she wanted was somebody normal. And she said people either didn't ask her out as they were in awe of her or automatically assumed she was in a relationship. Let's hope that Paris, with her call for help, gets what she needs to pull through. He said, he said did I hear you say Mark Wright was on a rickshaw here in Manchesterford? Wouldn't catch me on one. The ones in our city centre look like death traps. The ones in London are death traps. You want to see the thugs who are riding round here in the early hours of the morning. Go, it's terrible. Do you know the police could have a field day at Piccadilly Circus with illegal minicabs touting for business? These are minicabs who've got the licence thing on the back, but they're touting. I watch them every single morning. We've got one of the biggest police stations in the world round here at Charing Cross. Huge police station. And all it takes is somebody to walk round and have a go. Because the moment the police appear, and they were there this morning, but I think that was mainly due to a fight... And you've got these illegal minicabs. I've seen people haggling with them. Where are you going to? And these are, you think, you're not allowed to tout for business. They're illegals. So be very careful. I only mention it because it happens all the time. And I'm sort of thinking, why is nobody doing anything about it? I've been out before trying to sort out the illegal minicab problem. They're mainly thugs and crooks and, uh, and bent. So there you go. And everybody talking today as well, the thing that everybody got very excited about yesterday, which is about people who... Motorists who hog the middle lane are going to be fine. But plenty of other bad behaviour. I also agree. I hate people who just stop in the middle of the road. That that drives me mad. To let somebody across. I'm also... Beep, 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 beep. Don't let somebody across. Well, they're an elder. Well, make them walk up the road. There's a zebra crossing there. That's why you have accidents. People who ignore traffic lights. You know, these are blind people. They've got no idea what colour the lights are. Oh, look, a red light straight over it. I'll tell you what I've started doing. I've started banging the side of cars as they go past. I don't care, actually. I tell you, I've, I've threatened more than one pe- person. Parents on the school run, they're the irritating ones, aren't they? One half-dead child in the back of the car. I'm sorry, clogging up the roads. Make it get the bus. We had to get the bus when we were younger. It's pathetic. Get up in the morning. Not small wonder they can't work at school and they end up like poor old Josephine Essex. Little Joey Essex, who hasn't got a... He's so dumb. I wonder if his, his, if his parents drove him to school in the car. Because, you know, at least if you get up in the morning and go to the bus stop, you're getting some fresh air. They just get up... Throw their school uniforms. I mean, some of them, they don't even look like they've had a wash. Put the uniform on, and the girls trowel on the makeup, And then they go, and they sit at the bus stop with fags on. Or failing that, they sit, sit in the back of mummy or daddy's car, and mummy drives them to school. Make them get the bus. Drivers who don't indicate. That's a, that's a big irritant, isn't it, for many of us? I'm sorry, which way are you going? Are you going left or right? D- don't, don't bother. I hate the people who you let out, and they don't even acknowledge you. So I always wave at them. With the usual two fingers. Hello, thank you, thank you. (laughs) 
Tailgating is very annoying. As I say, all you have to lightly do is just touch the brake, just very lightly. That makes them back off very, very quickly. I hate stickers in the windows. We've seen the sea lions at Pontins, you know. We've been to the toilets at Rill, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, you know, you know, baby on board, princess on board, princess and baby, baby driving. You know, that kind of stuff. You get all these window stickers on there. Or, or failing that people... No, it's mad people. People come from Cambridge. Or failing that people who put cuddly toys. Cuddly to I ask you. A cuddly toy in a... Cu- I saw one once. There were so many cuddly toys, I thought it was a funfair turn. I had no idea it was actually a car. All these stuffed toys. I looked at the driver. She looked like she'd been... Anyway, and I was sort of looking at all of these toys. And the people have a box of tissues on the back shelf. How many times do you sit there and go, Oh, thank goodness we've got tissues. The tin of sweets. Always obligatory in a car. The people who abuse yellow junctions. I just wish at times, because I, I encountered it the other day, I wish somebody had given me a Sherman tank. Because there was somebody sitting... Oh, quite clearly, foreign drivers in the city don't understand how the yellow box junctions work. It's illegal to be in there. If ever I find myself caught in there, I will practically get out of the car, lift it up over my shoulders and run to the other side of the road. But I've seen other people who sit there and I pull up right next to them. Beep, 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 and I also wave at them in the same way. Get out that road, I go. I'm quite a calm driver, as you can imagine, in London. I think after a few years, it does make you... I'm, I'm, on the motorway, I'm very good. I just... I poodle along. You know, picking bluebells, you know, skipping, you know, with a lollipop. That's, I mean, I'm quite happy, you know, doing that. But in town, I can become absolutely mad, you know. All of a sudden, the taxi in front of you decides to pick up somebody who isn't actually getting in the car straight away. They're having a discussion about the price of fish, you know, and, think, and you think to yourself, just put them in the car and drive off. That's enough to drive you mad, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, the idea of penalty points is people who undertake. I do that. I undertake. When I say undertake, I like to put them all in boxes and bury the blasted lot of them. That's the undertaking bit I like. Anyway, we'll take a short break for the news. I'm in such a good mood this morning because it's Thursday. And for the uh, yet another day, I'm going to suffer in the heat. Uh, but the good news is that we have got our gadget giveaway. And it is today the Samsung Galaxy S4, the iPad killer. If you've not got one of these, you're nobody. You shouldn't even be listening to this programme. It's an absolute insult. So if you want to have a go at it, I'll tell you what the terribly difficult question is after the news, which is next. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I'm a bit bohemian. (laughs) We're talking about Stephen Fry, actually, and saying, you know, this is... uh, He's lucky he's got people around him that can sort of help him in these times of need. If he hadn't had his producer there, you know, he might be looking at a completely different story. But he revealed the fact that he tried to kill himself, uh, I think, when he was doing Australia or something like that. He was in his hotel room and he just took a load of pills because it's this bipolar. So he's on medication for being bipolar, but then he obviously just... People just do things. It's a, it's a bit... I've always equated it, because I don't understand either, a bit like dementia. People who, who've... Uh, <coughs> excuse me, who've actually got dementia or the onset, so they don't know what they're doing half the time. They, that's why you'll have a conversation with somebody and they will keep repeating themselves, but they believe it. So, in other words, if I say, this paper is white, and a friend of mine's got dementia, he'll say, no, it's black. And he will see it as black. He doesn't see it as white. He's not just making it up. He sees it as that. So, if you see somebody who's got dementia and they're driving down the road the wrong way, they think they're driving the right way. They don't see it as anything else. It's very difficult. They will keep keep repeating everything. It's, it's a dreadful, dreadful illness. We've talked about it at length on the programme. We've talked about... Uh, 
depression before. We're probably going to be talking about it this week with Ruby Wax, who's got a, a book out. And again, she's I've noticed her, her condition has changed a bit over the years. Since I spoke to her last time, her, her condition has, has definitely changed. She's become a bit more feisty, a bit more antagonistic. You know, a bit more willing to... In fact, she says, I think, during the interview, she says, you know, maybe a few years ago I wouldn't have corrected you over something. She said, now I will. Because that's, that's the way it goes. Brian and Hammersmith, we were talking about uh, driving. Neil's got to go and have his eye test today for diabetes. And he said, I don't know what to expect. And I, we went through the procedure, which involves them putting eye drops in. Then you go and sit back in the waiting room. Then they call you in. And the reason they, they, they put the eye drops in, it makes your eyes blurry up to four hours. And, and they say, do not drive. Do not drive in, do not drive out again. Make sure you've got somebody who can either drive you in or you get the bus. Because it's, it's you know, even putting dark glasses on, if you went and you had an accident on the way home from the uh, diabetic retinal clinic uh, procedure, then it would probably invalidate your, your insurance. So the advice is, don't drive, follow their advice, which is just wait. It just stings a bit the first time and you have it done. Uh, Wendy has been to Madame Two Swords. There was an elderly woman sitting on a bench. I sat next to her, starting talking to her at no response, and then realised she was a waxwork. Well, there is a woman who, in fact, my mother did exactly the same. There's a woman in the kiosk, or there used to be, and she would stand there looking as though, and my mother said, excuse me, could you? And we went, oh, for goodness sake, Mum. It's a waxwork. It's a waxwork. But that's, they are very realistic when you're up close to them. Except Madame Tussaud herself was a fairly strange-looking creature. She's very creepy. She's in one of the rooms that they've got. You follow this sort of, like a crocodile, through through the place. And uh, it's, it's done much better, and they've got loads of opportunities, which we tweeted, as you know, when we went there for the day, and we, we quite enjoyed it. Of, uh, of looking at all the famous people. But the story is, now that they've got one direction in there... And girls, it's always Harry Styles, isn't it? Nobody ever goes to sit next to Niall Horan and what's a tissue. But uh, next to Harry Styles, people burst into tears. He's obviously got there will obviously be some some magic ingredient that Harry Styles has got that I'm I'm missing in my life. But of course, he hasn't got a gadget giveaway as I have. He hasn't got. He might have. He might have a Samsung Galaxy S4 dubbed the iPad killer. Yesterday, you remember we giving away the DAB radio from Roberts that went to BJ Kumar. From Grove Park. I think it's our second winner from Grove Park. I'm pretty certain. Pretty certain. So, well done, BJ. Uh, today, it's the latest tablet from Samsung, the Galaxy S4, dubbed the iPad killer. And you can win it at 6.30 this morning. One lucky person will win it. And I'm hoping it's you. Yes, you. I hope so. The question is, who is Reginald Dwight better known as? Who is Reginald Dwight better known as? You text the word gadget. You must text the word gadget. Don't just text the answer because it just disappears into the ether. Text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T. Then your answer, who is Reginald Dwight known as? He's known as, and you put that down, and then you send it to 84850. 84850. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, which is 6.30 this morning, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. We're playing across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. So you've got 20 minutes, just under the 20 minutes, to make sure that you get those answers in. Patricia says, uh, I love that, uh, laughing the socks off at that driving rant. I load that twee southern word, poodle. You picture some old duffer driving with a flat cap and a pipe. I don't know. I hate those who park so close you need a tin opener to get out. Oh, I hate people like that as well. I always, whenever I park my car in a car park, I'll always park it so I can, you know, get in and out. By the time I come back, everybody's parked in around me. I feel like putting notes on the windscreen saying, go away, go away. 
Would your car sticker, car window sticker, says Kevin the Milkman, in the back window of the Bentley read, my other car is a Fiat Panda? <laughs> Never. And I agree with you about rude drivers and drivers you'd happily kill. I drive 50 miles a day on my round, and I wish I was allowed to hand out the £100 fines myself. <gasps> Imagine. I've often, How many times have we all said it? Love to be a policeman for a day. Love to be a policeman for a day. And then the truth of the matter is, you probably wouldn't, because of all the blooming paperwork you've got to fill in nowadays. Uh, it, uh, also, somebody says here, up with uh, Steve Allen on LBC, taking, uh, talking about the limited shelf life of boy bands and the fickle nature of the pop industry. Well, it is, it is fe- fickle. It's very difficult. You know, people say, I want to live the dream, I want to do this, I want to do that, and I think, yeah, but after two years, it's finished. My advice would be to anybody, make the most out of it. If you do it, make the most out of it, get the money, save it. Because too many of these boy bands come back, they haven't made, made anything at all. They've got no money, no money whatsoever, and it's it's a bit of a bit of a shame. Uh, one here from uh, Mark, and he says I was talking with a colleague at a table outside of Euston Station yesterday. When from nowhere the beggar appeared and started to pester us. Could you spare eighty-eight p? He said they do seem more aggressive in their search for money. Well, you see, a lot of tourists give them money, and they follow them as well. They're a bit like the chuggers walking backwards. Hello, would you like to help? You know, sort of gay pandas in Ethiopia, you know, things like that. No, not really. Gay whales? Can we help you with gay whales? Well, the country's gay. Is it really? Good Lord. Well, I've seen people up there, and most of them do look that way. And uh, and so they're all saying, you know, would you like to do... I've never actually stood there and listened to an entire spiel. Because I always... The thing to do, if you don't want to be picked on by chuggers, and I appreciate some of you are lonely and you want to talk to somebody during the course of the day, but I always pick up my phone and have an imaginary conversation. Yeah, how much is the house? Six million. Offer them 5.3. We'll say it in a very loud voice right next to a chugger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of those chuggers outside, are there? Just make sure the area's free. Thank you. Bye. That always works. Uh, I haven't seen this programme, the call centre, uh, described as a fly-on-the-wall centre. It's, uh, it's in Swansea. Uh, it's the third largest call centre. They do cold calling. And I watched about ten minutes of it the other day, and I turned it off. I'm not remotely interested in these motivational speakers. Come on, so we start the day, and we'll have a sing-song. No, we don't. Okay, we don't have a sing song. It's as simple as that. I know they do it in a lot of Japanese factories, but over here, this call centre is—it's—it's uh, it's a bit naff, I'm afraid. Are you allowed to reveal the latest candidate to get the boot from the Apprentice? Uh, who have we kicked off the Apprentice? We, Rebecca. Which one was Rebecca? The one nobody liked. Well, nobody likes any of them. Good saleswoman. Nobody liked her. But why did they not like her? What was the reason we didn't like her? Just didn't like her. The girls didn't like her. The boys didn't like her. Is she just really awful? Just. She lost every task. Well, she had deserves to be kicked off. The woman is an idiot. And it's obviously, it's a process of elimination. So that's what it is. Gobby Louisa spat out a load of old dribble to save her pretty little... I don't like Louisa at all. I think she's a nasty piece of work. Very nasty. And he says, maybe Alan just wants a business partner who will talk incessant nonsense to him. Get out in the sun, says Freddie, and get tanning. No, no, I'm, I'm the one sitting in in the full burqa, I'm afraid. I'm going nowhere. I, d- I just don't do sun... I'm all right. You know, if I'm sitting on a train, I suppose, or something like that, I can stare out the window. But I prefer to read my little book. I get, I get immersed in books now. I never thought I would on the train. I'm reading this one about murders in London. Uh, Robin says, we used to have a beggar in Golders Green who used to ask for money on a daily basis. He was employed full-time and lived in a three-bedroom house in West Hampstead. He, too, was given an ASBO and hassles us no more. The only people I give money to are the obvious homeless you know, like tramps, and even then it's only enough for a hot drink. I did try it once, I felt really awful. There used to be a woman who used to tramp up and down our roads, and her shoes were made out of newspapers. She had 
you know, she looked like a hobo, if you wanted to sort of go back to that traditional meaning of the word in America. And I remember once I was, I looked at her and I thought, do you know you haven't got anything, have you? You've got, she was pushing all her belongings like an old pram and it was all bags and newspapers, but her shoes were wrapped up newspapers and wrapped round with string. And so I went up and I said, would you like a fiver? And I got a torrent of abuse. I, got, I thought she'd have taken it. I thought, obviously, she wanted a tenner. And, um, and so I didn't. So I said, OK, sorry. Pfft, last time I ever do that. And I don't give to anybody sitting on a blanket with a dog. That's a big no-no straight away. 99% fraudulent. Don't ever, ever give to those, those people. They're robbing you blind, OK? Like the one who's exposed in the papers today. The poor suckers of Putney got done yet again. Quarter past six. LBC 97.3. 6.20 is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Nick Ferrari will be crossing live to North London, to that community centre destroyed in, in the fire yesterday, plus our correspondent in Los Angeles on the latest suicide attempt of Michael Jackson's daughter, Paris. There's claims of bullying and... I mean, she's only 15. I mean, for God's sake, you shouldn't really have depression at that age. And again, as Bomber Command is daubed in graffiti, the memorial up there. Uh, Nick will be talking to the air marshal responsible for its upkeep, but it's Nick Clegg in the studio today for Call Clegg from nine o'clock. Nice to see, actually, John Burko in the papers, as opposed to the dreary Sally. I was quite pleased about that. I suppose she's trying to get her agent to find her as many jobs as possible. You know, she's going to need that money, isn't she? Uh, Tony in Old Coulson said, if you get the chance to approach a non-signalling car, try tapping the indicator and say to the driver, try it now. Such a good line. Such a good line. I remember I was listening to a radio presenter years ago, and he saw, he saw somebody dropping litter out of their car at traffic lights. So he went up to them, picked it up, put it back inside, and went, sure, you'll be finding a bin now, won't you? Who did that? Alice Arnold did that. Did she? Oh, wow. Very brave. Mind you, nobody's going to argue with her, are they? You're not going to argue. Did she put it back in somebody's car? <gasps> God, you get that all the time, actually. It's very, very, very annoying. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. I've been sitting outside for the last 30 minutes, says Ian. Watching birds, especially crows, trying to encourage the youngster to fly from a lower branch. Just push them. Just push them. I'll go on, push. <laughs> hit the ground, you hit the ground. There's nothing you can do. I went to the evening races with Winnie at Kempton Park last night. Great atmosphere, says little Julie. It is, isn't it? I like evening race meetings. I can't do it now, but I'm, I'm way, too, uh, way too tired for things like that. Recently, I've incorporated... I purchased a mirror, says Alan, uh, incorporating a DVR camera. A DVR camera on eBay for 35... Oh, I like the sound of that. that. No, that one appeals to me. This is after I bought this camera to put in the car in case of an accident. Then you've got some sort of comeback. You know, should it... I mean, I, I don't have accidents, but I'm just saying it would be there. Very, very useful. So thank you. For that. He said, I've had the camera front and I have a rear-facing camera. Just remember the one next to the power-on button is the OK button. Thank you very much indeed. I think they're very cheap. 30 quid I paid. £30. How cheap was that, ladies and gentlemen? How cheap... Um, a few months ago, says Robin, I bought a sandwich for a homeless man who said that he didn't want to. I said, I thought he was hungry. He said he opened his bag and there were already two sandwiches in there. He said he's got no refrigeration access and wouldn't take food that he would throw away and I'd be better off giving it to somebody else. Made me think, yeah, most of them, they, you have beggars on the trains now, don't you? And that's the, that's the worst thing, I'm afraid. Uh, you've only got, ooh, about five minutes left to get your entries in for the competition for... For my fantastic Samsung Galaxy 4, the S4, dubbed the iPad killer. Sings, it dances, it does everything. It's wonderful. I would enter, I would enter this competition for today. 
Um, I always talk to Tommy Steele's Eleanor Rigby statue in Cavern Walks, Liverpool. I sit next to her on her bench. We've had some lovely chats, says uh, Patricia, who's mad as a broomstick, of course, up there in Liverpool. And uh, one from Joanne, who says, I once gave a beggar some fruit on the tube. He took it as he was making his way through the carriages, begging on the tube, and then someone threw it in the bin outside the station. Another beggar sitting on a, on a blanket snarled at me when I offered him food, even though his scrawled notice says, hungry, can you spare some money? Makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. We had one on a train a short while ago. He was actually on the train and, and announced he was begging to the whole carriage. We all sat there and went, ladies and gentlemen, I'm on this train today and I would like uh, some money from you. And then and I thought to myself, good God, they're getting very brazen of it. Of course, in some countries, it's quite normal to start begging. But over here, do not give, uh, do not give, give money to these people. It really isn't good. This is the story that appears in all the papers today of the bloke who was raking in 50 thousand pounds a year through begging over the years he lives in a three hundred thousand pound council flat and he's begging in putney and people have given to him and then the papers say did you know that he was he's not a beggar he's not homeless he's just robbing you blind robbing you blind and uh, somebody else says robbing you blind of 88p yep 88p multiply that by a few hundred people who walk past you you're talking serious money average beggars in london that's why they sit there by the cash points you've got any money as if anybody's going to take money out of a cash point go have a tenner have a tenner for yourself never going to happen is it i'll tell you the front pages of the papers i'll remind you um again in a in a minute exactly what the looks like we're flying the flag for britain doesn't it this morning it's a little bit air hostess kind of number isn't it you know what i mean you know would you like any drinks? Something from the duty-free trolley? You know, like that? Should I put that in the overhead locker for you? Put that up there. Thank you. <laughs> I always wanted to do that job. I've got friends who live where I live who are who are air, air people. I was going to say air stewardesses, but they're not. What do they call them? Air hostesses now or something. The, the, but men do it as well. So, uh, and they love, they seem to fly about all over the world. Which seems a bit glamorous, doesn't it? A bit lovely. We can go round the world on this programme. We've got people listening all over the place in Dubai and in China and in Kuala Lumpur. And places like that, which is good. So, the gadget giveaway for today is the Samsung... I know I forgot what it was, actually. I'm so, so fascinated by looking at the picture of it. The Samsung Galaxy S4, dubbed the iPad killer. You can get your hands on it. 6.30 this morning. Literally, in a few minutes, the lines will close. So, if you know the answer to this this question, need to get the entries in quickly. Uh, who is Reginald Dwight better known as? Who is Reginald Dwight? I thankfully knew the answer to this question. Some of the other ones I'm useless on, but this one I knew. Uh, don't forget this Samsung Galaxy S4, uh, will appeal to everybody. I don't care if you're 9 or 90. In fact, you'll probably work it better if you're 90 and 9. It's as simple as that. It works very well. It's fun. It's bright. It's funky. It's very nice. It's well worth having. And all you have to do is text the word gadget. Do text the word gadget. It's the only way you'll get onto the competition. Don't leave out the gadget. The gadget is the keyword that triggers the computer. So gadget, then your answer. Who is Reginald Dwight? Better known as he's known as. And then you send it to 84850. 84850. The text will cost you £1.50 plus your standard network rate. Uh, if you text after the closing time, you won't be entered but may still be charged. We're playing across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. If Nick Clegg was around this morning, he'd be entering this competition to win this. Because you can keep in touch on the move. It's fantastic. You do get called Clegg. We've got show jumping. Uh, the competition starts in East, East London. And uh, they're going to be talking to Peter Phillips. Yes. The Queen's eldest grandchild. Uh, plus, 
Paris Jackson and that sad story that she uh, apparently was taken to hospital after an attempted suicide bid tried to uh, to slash her wrist. She's only 15. The claims are she's being bullied at school. And whichever way you look at it, it's just not very pleasant for a, a rather confused, sad, probably quite lonely child in America. I mean, who on earth has she got to talk to? She's got really nobody at all. Uh, that's on the front of the Daily Express. The end of the hated wind farms that ruin the countryside. Why our royals just love being together, because they all got together for Westminster Abbey the other day, which was good fun. Uh, Corrie Kev dumped by lover. Uh, the Daily Star, a little picture of John Burko looking so happy. And again, he's not got the wife hanging around. Uh, you can wear a bikini at 60. Oh, there you go. There's good news. You can wear a bikini at 60. So that's fine, isn't it, for those people who are... You know, heading into their sixties, so you can wear a bikini. Uh, Stephen Fry in the pill suicide attempt, which you've heard on the news. Carol Vorderman, who's cutting back on television, whoopee, and flying around the world, whoopee. And uh, the Sun this morning, they've got Michael Jackson's fifteen-year-old daughter Paris rushed to hospital after reportedly slashing her wrist with a cleaver. Very sad. We'll have a free podcast for you up. Get those entries in for the gadget competition very quickly. Free podcast up in about 30 minutes. Nick and the team at 7 next on LBC 97.3. The morning news with Susan Bookbinder.